love music. Live sport. Talking football with Jerry McCabe and Alec Horsborough. In for Bill Young on Rock Sport Radio. Good evening. While the Bill's away, the Ek will play, but he's only away for 24 hours. He'll be back tomorrow. Good evening and welcome to Talking Football. It's Alec Horsborough here with Jerry. Make it two in a row for Jerry. Yeah. I'm on the road. I'm on the... I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Jerry, before I do anything. Just leave that mic. Let me come round there. There. Just there. That's it. Well We're, done, sorted. Well We're done. sorted. Two in a row. How are you feeling tonight? Ah, fine. Yeah, you know, a good wee show last night, I felt. You know, we, we covered a lot uh, over the weekend's uh, football results and talking points. Uh, but... More to come tonight, yeah. So Absolutely. Well, we've got stand f- in for Big Jerry. <laughs> yeah, it's Jerry for Jerry tonight. We've got former referee Charlie Richmond with us very shortly. Uh, weekend refereeing decisions: Rangers denied penalty handball. St Johnson goal was it over the line? Well, of course, uh, our producer Ewan Robertson was tweeting about that yesterday. Scott Brown conceded penalty. Right decision. We'll talk all about that very shortly with Charlie Richmond here on Rocksport Radio's Talking Football. At 7 o'clock, Gavin Wilson from the Hibs Talk podcast. Reaction to the Derby defeat. Players performing for the manager, fans turning against the manager. What's happening at Hibs? We'll find out with Gavin Wilson, 7 o'clock. And at 7.30, Chris from the Lowland League podcast. The Lowland League sides, of course, in the Scottish Cup, and there's a few more left in the second round draw that was made yesterday. And we'll get to that Scottish Cup second round draw in a wee while. And, of course... Uh, General football chit-chat, but uh, very shortly we're going to talk to Charlie Richmond. Um, I didn't catch all of the programme last night, Jerry, when you were in, but what was your views on, on the weekend with the old firm? Uh, obviously, Rangers' first half, it was, you know, I, I was listening, I was on my way through Easter Road, actually, and I was listening to the game on the radio, and I think St. Johnson were given as good as they got. Uh, I think they finished their first half uh, very strongly. Came out the second half, and you know Rangers probably went up a gear. I think they got a bit of a ear bashing from uh, Stephen Gerrard at half time. And if if I'd have been Tommy Wright, you know you'd have probably expected saying, "Hey, look, we've come in here, we've we've, we've gave as good as we've got the first half, yeah. but they'll be getting in there, they'll be getting a bit of roasting." So and Celtic fairly comfortable. Do you think? Yeah, well, after going behind, uh, difficult one. I mean, uh, Kamara had a couple of good results, and they must have been into the game feeling confident. But I didn't expect them to beat Celtic. I say, as if Celtic play their game, you know, they, they would win the game. Uh, but going behind, I thought it was a bit a shock to a lot of people. And Celtic is, again, they start to get into their stride and winning three one comfortable in the end up few chances. But then again, it could have been a wee bit scary last yeah. three or four minutes if Kamara uh, with the Scored from the penalty, but you know, I, I, I really feel that Celtic and Rangers will pull away from everyone else okay. in this league. Okay, let's get our uh, usual Tuesday night guest on. It's uh, former referee Charlie Richmond. Where are you tonight, Charlie? I'm in the house, Alex. I'm in the house. Not travelling down the leafy lanes of Ayrshire? <laughs> not, not at the moment. We've decided to. Uh, Delay it a wee bit and uh, leave about uh, quarter to seven-ish okay. so that uh, the, the the car... Bill was getting a bit fed up with the interference of the car. No, he doesn't like interference, Bill. He doesn't like any interference, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, he probably said something like, just get rid of your car, just walk from now on. I don't want to hear that car again. Um, so anyway, let's uh, talk about the weekend refereeing decisions. Jeremy Cave's just touched on them. Um, first of all, Rangers. I mean, Stephen Gerrard was very uh, pleased with his side and how they played. On uh, on on Sunday, but but how did you view the referee on Sunday? 
Andrew, I, I don't think Andrew's refereeing with, with a lot of confidence at the moment, bearing in mind of what's happened over the, the, the last couple of months with his situation in the international uh, list and also a couple of domestic things. And again, that kind of was highlighted at the weekend when uh, the, the Murray Davidson incident. Um, I, I, I can I can only def- slightly see that Andrew might have thought that the Rangers play or the Murray's hand was already out there, but it's a it's a free kick, uh, arguably a penalty would have been inside the inside the box. So. Uh, that that doesn't help when uh, you're in the kind of firing line and decisions like that go, uh, and you're not seen to be making the correct decision. Okay, Jerry, your views. Actually, I only see a wee bit of the highlights. You know, I've been reading about it, and obviously Charlie knows much more about it here. But I think you're right, uh, Andrew. He's he's coming through a sticky spell, and. The, the the decisions he's got to make or he's getting involved in, you know, are becoming more difficult for him because of the situation. But look, uh, I saw a few bad decisions over the weekend, and I know we'll go through it, Charlie here. And uh, but I, I just feel it's becoming a more of a talking point uh, some weeks about the bad decisions rather than talking about the football in the games, and that's the problem. We've had this before when referees have come under. Come under a lot of scrutiny, you know, for being very inconsistent. But it's not just happening in Scotland. I've seen a few in Europe, and uh, it's it's something you know you don't want to be talking about. You'd rather talk about the football. But obviously, if it's a decision that's going to change games, then it becomes a right talking point. And we've said this before, Charlie. Football is under such a microscope now with social media and all the rest of it. I mean, talking about the referee is almost you know on a par now with talking about the game. But to be fair to Stephen Gerrard, I think I'm right in saying that he's kind of stood up for refs uh, when they've deserved the praise. Yeah, Stephen's come out and and, and called decisions uh, correct from from his. Uh, He doesn't want his players committing tackles like that, uh, and he doesn't want to be players who are just blatantly fouling in his team kind of concept from there. But getting back to the point and having... Being there, can kind he of wore the t-shirt type of thing? When you're under pressure, you, you talk about the big decisions. You, Jerry, you talked about the game-changing decisions, and their decisions as a, as a referee in that position with that experience, you need to get them right. Yeah, and that eases the pressure on you. It's a bit like your your, your centre forward who's maybe went through six or seven games without a goal and the pressure starts to heap and heap and then he misses a glaring chance. If he sticks that ball in the back of the net, it relieves his pressure a wee bit. It gets him that yeah. buying time. And and that's what... And I'm not singling out Andrew, but that's what Andrew needs today, is he needs to get through a game where he's making big decisions correctly. You can forget about the the kind of fifty fifties, the the, the throw ins and 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 ricochet decisions where you maybe give a corner or it should have been a goal kick, and, and they kind of scenarios. But when it's as clear and, and and as obvious as them, you've got to. That's that's effectively your bread and butter as a referee. You've got to be in the right position to call those big decisions. Should we still be asking referees to come out and? Say how they saw the incident after games, or is that never going to happen? I don't think it's. I don't think it's ever going to happen, Alex. But I was a big advocate of of, of getting that coming out and and giving 
your, your explanation. Now, we're not going to go into a massive discussion about it. So the incident was on the excuse me, the 65th minute of the game. Why did you not see that as a blatant handball? You give your... Well, I didn't see it as because of whatever he, he, he explained it as. We accept it. We might not agree with it, but we accept it and we move on. And sometimes that might help to ease or to get the public to understand a wee bit about the pressures and also about the viewing angles. A lot of things relate to viewing angles. I was just going to say, Jerry, I think it would be a good idea if the referee was allowed to come out and speak after the game, but we'll say he gets maybe a two-minute window to make a statement and he's not allowed to to take questions from the interviewer. He comes out, he makes the statement, and that's it. Statement made, and he walks away again. Yeah, you know, referees are human. They're going to make mistakes. It'd be a very unfair advantage, we know, Charlie, without the VAR. You know, it takes a lot of pressure off the referees in England. We know that. Uh, But for some reason, if we don't start to introduce this, I wasn't a great lover of it when it first came in, but it's part of the game now. And if we don't get it, if we are not... uh, up to speed with this, and we don't start to introduce this to your game. We're going to be left behind, and the referees are going to become you know, under more pressure. I felt, you know, it's it's all right saying the referee. Yeah, I would like to be nice for a referee to have his say, you know, because obviously if he's made a mistake, you come out after and say, well, look, that's the way I saw it, and yeah. you know, then I think you would get more respect and less, uh, you know, abuse thrown at him sure. from you know pundits and not just pundits, you know, from the. Yeah, the media and the fans as well. But he's not in that position. And that's why I've got a lot of sympathy now for the referees because as every decision is going to be scrutinised, whereas I think I feel the pressure has been taken away from you know the, the Premiership in England, in England from the from the referees. Look, they're going to make human. They're going to make errors. You know, as I say, they're, they're human. But when it, as I say earlier, if it's a game-changing decision then they're, even, they're going to come in for more stick. Okay. But I don't know whether we're, we're you know, financially, we, as we're top league, I think it should be introduced to the, the top league in Scotland. What, what do you think, Charlie? I mean, have have we got the cash? I mean, I know you can't see the bank balance, but, uh, you know, have we got the cash? Should we be seeking, should we be seeking the cash to uh, to get VAR in? I think, I think we've got to do something, yeah. Alex and Jerry. I think we've got to, um, and maybe something, a, a low-level budget yeah. uh, to kick-start it and obviously uh, see where the benefits come in. I don't know if it's even worth like, what the rugby... Ref- and I don't want to be a, a, a trained follower with the rugby, but the rugby referees are now got a camera on the uh, shirt and it might be something as a one-off game just to try that and see and pursue that across to the to the watching public mm. of what the referee's view has got, mm-hmm. so therefore it, it might be even to date for there. But if we if we don't effectively, in eighteen months to two years' time, actively using VAR, the referees are going to be left behind in Europe, and that was yeah. evident. We mentioned last week that Bobby Madden was away to do a Champions League game, mm. and his VAR officials were coming from Holland. Right. Okay, um, let's move on to uh, the Celtic game. Celtic three, uh, Kilman at one. Celtic uh, fairly comfortable in the end, and a good penalty save from Fraser Foster. That's what he's there for, of course. Um, Scott Brown's uh, conceded penalty, right decision, Jerry? Yes, I think so. When I watched it again, you know, again, 
you know, the referees only get one uh, opportunity to see that, and he's got to make mm. that decision. I think he got it right. Okay. I think Scotty's in, and it looked as if he's he's uh, he's nicked the ball at the same time. But when you watch it again, and we've got the luxury of seeing it again, yeah, I think it was the right decision. It was a penalty kick. He's actually calm. Charlie. Yeah, one of the things here that Greg Aitken would have been looking at is is that any deviation in the ball. Yeah. Because of the way Scott was coming in, if he'd have made any contact in that ball, it would have went... Towards the keeper, I think. Yes, whereas it just ran straight on uh, across the penalty spot and out for that side of things. So that would uh, have a a, a view or or, or an influence in in Greg Aitken's decision there at the time. But yeah, it's a penalty kick. It's one of the ones that sometimes the, the, the striker just gets his big toe and nicks the ball away, and as much as you're coming into the tackle, thinking I'm going to get that, but then, bang, you, you, you make contact, and, and down he goes, and it's a it's a penalty kick. Charlie, uh, yeah, I mean, tackle's now in the box. You've got to be 100% sure that you're going to get the ball. You know, if you're not 100%, stay on your feet, don't dive in. But uh, it's, it's the way the game is now, you know. I mean, you'd probably get away with that. Uh, a lot of decisions you take away with you know, a few years ago, but you're not going to get away with it now. And it's 100%. Stay in your feet. If you feel you're going to get the ball, great, okay. But if you're not going to get the ball and you've got that bit of doubt and there's every chance you're going to give the penalty kick away, then you know you don't dive in, especially in the box. Okay. Um, Celtic at home, <laughs> and Rangers at home as well, um, I know this sounds like an obvious question, but referees under more pressure? Charlie? Referees are, are under pressure because of the, the dynamics of the game. When you referee the old firm at home, it's a complete, and I know this might sound stupid, but it's a completely different game. The away team come in and they sit and frustrate, and the majority of activity in the game is in the third of Celtic attacking in the penalty box, and you're under constant to make decisions, to make decisions, to make decisions. Whereas the old firm away from home, the, the home team must come out and play, and therefore it can still it can swing end to end to end. And again, if you go back, one of the things when I went in Europe, I always asked where the away supporters were, so that when you went towards that penalty area, if there was a mass of away supporters, you knew you were going to get a big cheer. Now, you go to Celtic Park, and if you're in the left-hand goals as you're coming out of the tunnel, that's all home supporters. So any decision in that box is going to be met with a massive loud cheer. Whether it's correct or whether it's no, the the, the supporters are just going to raise up. Whereas on the right-hand side, you're going to get some sort of away support, shouting and jeering in the right-hand side. And the same at Ibrox, the left-hand side, as you come out of the tunnel, there'll be a small amount of... So you'll get a jeer as the ball goes into there. So, yes, you're under pressure because of the, the crowd reaction to decisions. Um, but, again, you've just got to be mentally strong and focused and, and, and call it as you see it. OK. Uh, I've, I've, sorry, yeah, just no, I was just going to say, Charlie, Charlie has been... A, I was when I was a coach involved in being in opposition, uh, opposition uh, dugout, you know, uh, whether we were at Celtic Park or at Ibrox, 
and you always felt, you know, people would say that Celtic and Rangers, they always get the, the decisions at home. But obviously, they've got that so much of the ball at times. And yes. every manager and coach will contest a decision because you, you always want the decision, you know, whether you're right or wrong, you know, you'll shout for the decision. But we felt that as well, going to Celtic Park and going to Ibrooks, that they did get a lot of decisions because of the crowd, because of the pressure they were under, the, the noise that was coming from them, you know, and it's just a quick thing. Well, the, the fans are, you know, they're up in their feet, they're up in their arms a wee bit, and the referee just makes that decision. And you felt that, you know, you weren't getting the, the, your fair share of the decisions. You know, but again, you're at Parkhead, you're at Ibrooks, and 50,000, 60,000 fans... Uh, making their voices heard, the referee, and sometimes it just changes them and they just, okay, and they'll give it, you know, if it's the 50-50s and they felt that they get more of the 50-50s than you did, but, that, you know, you had to live with that because that's where you were, you know, you were going in there, and, but it's, uh, again, they, they had that much possession and they're talking about the amount of penalty kicks they get, but they're, they're always in opposition's box more times, than, uh, uh, especially uh, at home. So you had to really just sit back and just say, okay, right, you know, they're going to get these wee decisions and you had to just not let it affect you, but that's, that's, that's what you're up against, you know, when you went to Celtic Park at Ibrox. Okay, well, we've spent 15 minutes, 17 minutes, in fact, talking about the old firm, so let's uh, move on. Uh, Motherwell versus County, uh, Jake Carroll's two bookings. Uh, harsh, Charlie? Uh, unfortunately, no. Mm-hmm. Um, his first one, he, he's... he's clearly brought the, the the opponent down halfway line and again it's the promising attack it's the area that he's moving into with regards to there the second one you can see that he's made a swing and realised that oh, I'm trying to pull out of it <sighs> but he still went relatively high he's caught him can he hit to, to, to thigh area and, and, he, and he's Unfortunately, he's kind of seen to be reckless and dangerous in the aspects of the referee. And when it looks again like that, the perception is that reckless and dangerous yellow cab. Yeah. And it's difficult. Or, or what we went back to say last week as well is when you're on a yellow cab, you really then need to be, and this, this might sound uh, again the perception. You really need to be a hundred and fifty percent sure that you're going to win that ball, because even if you're a hundred percent sure, and that nick goes in front, and you're down, you're looking at another yellow card. Mm. So you, you can almost play over cautious and 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 stay on your feet and let the attacker get the ball, and then try and defend them or try and usher them uh, to, to an, a safe area. If that sounds kind of sensible, Jerry, when you're thinking, yeah. about, uh, rather than rush into that tackle and and leave myself wide open and down to ten men, just let him win that in that area. But where can I stop him playing the ball? To mm. can I can I usher them up the back down the touch line, etc. etc. Charlie, uh, yeah, I feel I think he just he, he wasn't thinking it in. I think then he realised he was on a yellow card. <laughs> And when he's went in here, it was a wee bit too late. Yeah, he was a bit high, and he did try to pull out it. But when you're on a yellow card, and every chance, you know, getting into that tackle, you're going to get another one, you're off the part. He should have just stood his ground and just, as you says, let him have the ball, yeah. then yeah, sort of a close him down. But to get in and try and win it, or to try and, you know, whatever, you know, it was going through his head at the time, 
he was putting himself in some position there, but he'd already been on the yellow. And yeah, I felt the first one was a definite booking. And yeah, yeah it was a silly one the second uh, the second tackle. As much as he, as he tried to pull out, but he'd already committed the foul, so he had to go. So uh, sometimes yep. when you sometimes when you go to pull out, <laughs> you actually look worse. Look worse, yeah. Than, and it, <laughs> uh, sometimes you better just go right through the tackle, then uh, for there, and you think, oh, James, oh no, uh, I'm up here in mid air, and I look absolutely. Uh, 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 that fish out of water. Yeah, it's just as I say, he's already committed the foul, and as I say, yeah. when when you're on a yellow card, you've got that's what you've got to you really be careful because uh, there's only one. It's going to be inevitable if you get in that high that you're going to get another yellow card or even a sending off straight. And another up. thing, another thing as well is the timing between incidents. See, because it was so sh- yeah. One, and then a couple of minutes, then another. See, sometimes, and <laughs> see if you commit a foul in the first 10, 15 minutes and, and you get a warning, then do nothing for the next 20 minutes mm. so that you get out the mind mm. of the referee because the referee will be like, ah, well, I've already spoke to him. Oh, no, there's another foul, there's another foul. Right, I've got to caution you now, whereas if you get away out his road and forget about it, whereas if you've just been cautioned two or three minutes, Try and stay out the road. Try and keep out of things like that. And then if you have another tackle, maybe two or three minutes before the end of the game, you, you might get away with a with mm. a, this a, a scenario because of the length of time between them. But because it was so quick hit, it's just fresh in his mind and you're thinking, I've just already cautioned you. Can we move on to the... Uh... Can we move on to the Aberdeen game? Uh, 2-0 winners at Livingston. Uh, the Aberdeen pen, uh, foul on Cosgrove outside the box, a lot of people said. Charlie? Yeah, it looks that way. It looks that way at, when you see it uh, for, the, for the camera angle, having not been at the game and not witnessed it first time, it looked as, that, as if the boy, the Livingston boy, had barged into him and the contact being outside the box. That was it again, Charlie. That was it again. in and him falling into it. Yeah, I felt the boy slipped. He slipped in there, but I felt I didn't actually see it. I just left. Uh, then they get the penalty kick and they score. But when I was watching it in the highlights, I felt he was just inside the box. But the boy actually slipped and slipped into him. You know, if he'd been able to stay in his feet. Uh, again, I tell you what, I think it was only the second time Aberdeen were in their box because uh, Livingston played really well. And how they lost the game, I'll never know. But, you know, it just killed him at the end, getting that penalty kick, because I felt maybe if anybody was going to score, uh, the next goal it was going to be Livingston. But anyway, it was a, yeah, it was a close call, but I, when I looked at it again, I felt he was just inside the box. Just so, made the contact inside. Yeah, well, I think and maybe he actually Jerry. started slipping outside the box, and he just caught him inside yeah. the box, you know. And it was, it right. was uh-huh. but there were a few people who were struggling to keep their feet in Saturday, you know, on the, on the surface. Uh, there were a few of them slipping into things, and and it's one of those ones, you know, it's, you know, when you get into the AstroTurf, again, if you don't get it right, then you're, every chance you're going uh-huh. to come at the full, you know. I wonder, I wonder, Charlie. people will argue, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, I, I people will argue the case that he just slipped and he, he can't really, but unfortunately, he slipped and he's interfered yeah. with. Whether it's yeah, an accident or not, you know, striker. if it's a free kick, it's a free yeah. kick. I just wonder if any referees yeah, predicted that uh, AstroTurf might end up so so difficult for them, Charlie. I mean, when, I'm sure when AstroTurf came in and, and, you know, when it was more and more phased into uh, to our football, 
a lot of people spoke about how it would affect the players, but nobody really spoke about how it might affect the referees. I, I remember um, many, many years ago, Dunfermline versus Celtic in yeah. the, the, the quarter-final of the Scottish Cup, and Dunfermline had just laid down, and I don't want to be disrespectful, but it was like carpet tiles. Yeah, <laughs> played on when it. I come off the game, See, when I come off the game, my knees and my hips were absolutely killing because of the constant pounding, pounding, yes. pounding. Yes. And see that game? That game was refereed for the waist up. Yes. Nobody was going to ground to tackle, sliding tackles. Every contact was a shot pull or a shoulder. And see, when you see in the AstroTurf, and even as much as it's getting better and better, some of the games are still refereed for the waist up. Yeah. Because when you're running, when, when a winger and a full-back are running down, they're holding on to each other, but they're not holding on to foul. They're holding on because their feet are falling. They're keeping their balance. The, 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 yes, uh, and that, and it becomes really, really untidy. And if you look at games in AstroTurf, the ball is probably spent a bit more time in the air than in a normal grass. Yeah, it takes the realism out of the game for me. Charlie, going back to the Adam family, I remember it because we were the first team to play on it. We were at Hibs at the time with Bobby Williamson and Jimmy Clark. And uh-huh. We went to go and train on it Thursday before we played them the Saturday. We were allowed that. And it was there was actually boards under it. It was all squares. It wasn't you know, your ass or tough that you see now. It was no, all in big squares. Yeah, that's what it was. And uh, it was horrendous. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, you can guess what the score was on the Saturday. Nothing, nothing. I don't think there was even a tackle uh-huh. in the game. Uh, and oh, it, was, it was just horrendous. It was just, the boys could actually feel the, feel the boards underneath when they were running on it. You know, it was just, that was that was one of the worst ever they was. But I know they've improved now, but uh, for me, mm-hmm. they still shouldn't be in the game, but at uh, a uh, high level. Uh, and how do you feel, Charlie, it went on uh, Sunday, Hibs versus Hearts? Um, I mean, did the referee have a good control yeah, of it? Because that was a yeah, vital that was, game. That was, that was it. There was a, the pressure... The pressure on it from uh, both managers' point of view for there. Both teams played open. Uh, there wasn't a there wasn't a lot of niggling the game aspect yeah. of it. it yeah. was, can I use the word? It was quite flat for an Embra yeah. derby, yeah. and for there, so uh, there was probably more pressure off the field of play with regards to the, the managers' aspect with the, with the result on it. But again. Uh, a decent, a decent performance for, for referee, and 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 that's what you want. Something well, that's what you want all the time. You, the, the game in, done with, and nobody talking about you, and nobody writing about you in the papers, and off you go to your next game. That was always my number one. Sometimes it didn't work out that way, <laughs> the popular belief. But you always was just in, job done. And away to your next game. Should that ref, should that uh, policeman have been booked for uh, celebrating <laughs> when it he should have been neutral? You know, it, <laughs> it just shows you we're all um, we, we all get caught. We all up get caught up in it as well. Charlie, yeah, I was I, I was I, actually I, I was actually at the game, <laughs> and it was a team affair, the first half especially. Yeah. But you're right. The focus was all on the managers, and I felt it needed a wonder goal or a right, bad yeah. mistake for the game to kickstart and. Obviously, Steve Marlin got the got the goal, but yeah, for a, an Edinburgh derby, yeah, it wasn't the usual. 
Uh, and about one, I think the two of them were. Well, it was so well, flat the policeman forgot where he was. They were weary of one another, <laughs> very weary of one another on the part. Yeah, uh, a, a, no, a normal Edinburgh derby, that policeman would have been, he would, he would have had his wits about him. But obviously, it went so flat, he thought, "Oh, I'm, I'm just here as a spectator. Oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm a policeman. I shouldn't be doing that sort of thing." The funny thing about you the game, actually. Eh? Sorry, Bill. Eh? Sorry, yeah. sorry, Charlie. Would you say there? Do you think sometimes, Jerry? See, because the pressure was on the managers. As much as you as a manager are trying to deflect that away, do you think the players are subconsciously or consciously no one to lose that game because of the effect on the manager rather than going out and just going to try to play and win it? I think you're 100% right there. I felt, you know, the the new whatever manager lost the game or whatever, they would be, well, whatever team lost the game, their manager was under severe pressure. I mean, it looked at one point, you know, when Hibs went in front, I felt they go for the next one. Hearts would never come back any, but I'm going to give Craig Levine credit. I've been quite critical of Craig Levine's team, Hearts, since last season. And he changed it, and the momentum switched. It. Well, when I say the momentum switched, they started to get the upper hand a wee bit. And mm-hmm. you, you felt, uh, just before that, you know, when they were 1-0 down, the full stadium was actually singing your sacked in the morning. The Hibs fans started, and the Hearts fans uh-huh. actually joined in. Yeah, yeah it was you know, because... I, I'm not saying that it's bought a bit of time, this result, Craig Levine, but he's not uh-huh. in the woods yet with him. Uh-huh. But you're right, the players were just, uh, I felt that it affected them as well. You know, we can't lose it. You know, we don't win it, we don't lose it, that's it. And yeah. I thought Hibs, uh, at 1-0, for the team, I said, if we get a second one, this team's gone, Hart's gone. But, sure. you know, credit to them, they came back in, it made a couple of changes, and it changed the, you know, the momentum in his, uh, his favour. And they got the result, but it's, again... What does it matter? Whatever manager was going to get it, you know, if they didn't win the game. You, you were talking about, Charlie, the dynamics of uh, refereeing the old firm at home. What, what are the dynamics of an Edinburgh derby at Tynecastle or Easter Road? The, you, that, that's, you, you've just more or less kind of plucked my next question. is A referee would go into that game expecting a right good blood, guts and thunder game of football and you're up for it right up for this game right for the first minute and see when it doesn't occur you then all of a sudden can he come mm. down yeah. you, you, you relax a wee bit mm-hmm. but you've still got to keep the concentration high mm-hmm. because in their types of games you've got to expect the unexpected if something happened. I remember doing a game at the Ember Derby and just before half time the, the the, the, the Hearts goalkeeper, is it, well, what was his name, Balach, Balach or something? I put him off, and then within two minutes of restarting, I had to put Sol Bamba off at the other end, and just because obvious goal scoring opportunities in the, in the game. There was nothing in the game up until that, and you, you've just got to keep your wits, and that's sometimes more difficult when it's a flat game, yeah. the crowd is silent, and you're keeping your coach whereas if it's gone end to end and there's fouls and you're getting the free kick and you're playing advantage you're talking you're communicating it becomes passing and the next thing you look at your watch and you think that's half time yeah where did that 45 minutes go yeah is there more um, things become sorry Charlie I was just going to say is is there less um phew, hatred's a strong word I know but you know is there less um well, there's less ba- is, there, is there less baggage with an Edinburgh derby? I, 
I'd, I'd done uh, six, seven in the, in the bounds. And at that time, the, the influx of, of uh, foreigners, Lithuanian players to heart, mm-hmm. made them very difficult to, to manage. Because when, you, when they were your pal, they could understand English and Scottish, and, but hmm. even they, they yeah. couldn't understand the language and trying to communicate. And that's why sometimes a referee, you always try and get a champion. Go to somebody in the team who's maybe the captain, who's maybe a level-headed guy, hmm. and you can say to him. And at that time was Stephen Presley. Because I said to Stephen Presley, I said, Stephen, I can't talk to this Michaelunas. He's no one engaging in any conversation with me, yeah. and he's going out here and he's yeah. fouling, fouling, fouling. Yeah. And eventually, I had to put him off. Yeah. And out the corner of my eye, Stephen Presley's running, and I'm thinking, oh, he's coming towards me. He ran right by me, yeah. and he got Michaelunas, and he said, "Charlie's tried to keep you in the park, and you've let us down." Yeah. The game finished. Hearts at the time were up to one, and the game finished two each. And, yeah. and it just shows you sometimes that they, they, they can be. Uh, just as volatile yeah. as um, an old firm derby. And, uh, yeah, I think, I, well, I mean, I remember the time you're talking about, I think it was 04, 05, 06, 07, when, um, yeah. when Vladimir uh-huh. Romanov was in charge. And, and Hearts, and, you know, with respect to Hearts fans, I'm not, I'm not um, you know, uh, casting aspersions on the club, but Hearts were a bit of a mercenary bunch at that time. They were a, they were a bit of a circus. They were a bit of a kind of, yeah. not, not so much the, the A team. Yeah, yeah, not so much the A team, but the Z team. And I was at Dundee United that night when, when Graham Ricks was, was sacked before the game or after the game or whenever it was. And it was just a circus. And, and, it, and for me, it was starting to get really ugly. It started off as a bit of a laugh and a bit of a kind of, oh, well, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. This is a bit of a drama. Uh, but then for me, it started to get ugly and uh, I don't think it helped Hearts as a football club. But anyway, you know, that was then and, and this is now. And, and, and Craig Levine, yeah. I mean, Craig Levine, um, Charlie has, um, I mean, actually somebody, I, I, I knew I had to mention something tonight and it was this. Uh, somebody tweeted to me yesterday and they said that out of the 60 derbies that Craig Levine invo- has been involved in as a player and a manager, um, he's... He's had a positive result in most of them. He's had a win or a draw in something like 51 of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an amazing record. Oh, that's, that's, uh, well, I was involved with Hibs at the time when yeah. Craig Levine there. And we taken a couple of doings off them, but we get one or two. One or, uh, yeah. We beat them once and drew with them once. Yeah. But Charlie, get back to Sunday's game. As far as uh, being an Edinburgh derby, it was a team affair. And maybe, I think mm-hmm. it was John Beaton's the referee, sure it was John. Yeah. And uh-huh. I'm thinking he's looking and saying, well, this is good, you know, I'm getting through this, uh, nothing controversial. Yeah. And I think he would have been saying to himself, I hope I'm not making a controversial d- d- decision that leads to a goal yeah. that could, you know, yeah. the manager under most severe pressure. But So that never happened. But I don't think he had a lot to contend with, but as what you were saying earlier, I think the players were conscious of that. Uh, a wee bit frightened to make mistakes. Uh, didn't want it to be the yeah, one that cost uh-huh. our team. And that's the way the game went. Whereas I've seen derbies, been involved in derby, Edinburgh derbies, where you're right, it's blood and thunder. You know, they're in about it right away. Oh, they want to get the upper hand. They want yeah. to get the fans mm-hmm. on their side right away. Uh, but that was the best party in Saturday because the two hearts were very vocal. They support, whether they support Craig Levine or not, they were right behind their team. From the uh, from mm-hmm. the from the kickoff and so were Hibs, uh, you know, and the fans were really good, you know, they were giving it the usual, but I felt on the pitch they they never lived up to you know, the the way the game was going off the park, you know, with uh, the fans it was yeah. more more exciting uh-huh. off the park than it was yeah. on the park. Yeah. So um, 
So the weekend, Charlie, um, a good weekend of Scottish football for you? Uh, across the board, uh, yes. There was more positives. Um, when, you, when I go back, you, you look at um, the, the Rangers. There was a there was an incident on the edge of the box when I think it was the first goal. Rangers, the first goal. Andrew Dallas plays a great advantage, and for there, so and Rangers going and score a goal. So over the piece, yes. Uh, if you look at it collectively over the last two or three weekends. And don't get me wrong, one swallow doesn't make a summer, but we're starting to settle down now uh, and we're getting the, the, the consistency that probably the, the general public are looking for. To get that 100% consistency, I don't think we'll ever be there. Even with the introduction of VAR, that there will be still decisions in the middle of the park at VAR will know how that we'll look at it for there, but... Um, we're going in the right direction. And, okay. and that's what the, the guys at the moment will be wanting to do, just to go down there, do the games, no hassle, no bother, and move on to your next game. Charlie, I'm going to ask you one question there again. I watched uh, the highlights over uh, the weekend. The boy George Oakley's second yellow card, I think it was one of the worst decisions I've seen for a long time. Uh, you know, Hamilton Ackies against, against Hamilton Ackies. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, he get booked for his first one. Uh, he, uh -huh. he could have maybe have been red carded maybe for the first one away he went in, but he did. First one, yeah. But the second one, he's went up and it's shoulder to shoulder. And I was listening to Brian Rice after the game, and he was baffled. He says, maybe I don't know the rules. Maybe it's my fault. And you know, but uh -huh. that's his chipper's quite you know honest in these sort of a, when he's doing his interviews after the game and he's uh, analysing his game, he's analysing his team and he'll see it the way it is. But I felt it was a ridiculous decision and, I mean, it could have cost Hamilton Ackies a game. I know they get a point out of it. You know, they could have got three out of it they could have lost the game. Okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I've, I've got a lot of respect for Brian. Brian and, and, and John Hughes were a, were a, a great team. Like you had John who just called a spade a spade and you had Brian who was very diplomatic and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, he, I think Brian was more aggrieved that what was happening in other games wasn't getting penalised, but yet when it happened to, to Hamilton, it, it seemed to be to that point. I thought the two of them, I, I th again, I thought the two of them were, were, were yellow cards. And, and, Did you uh, actually think the same one was yellow card, off. Charlie? I'm afraid. I'm afraid so. Mm, yeah. When you know. when you see it again, it's reckless. That's the the concept of. It, I know you you think you've gone shoulder to shoulder, but how do I jump into you? <laughs> okay, I know, and that's maybe the, the perception of there. But what I will say is that was a big game for Davy Monroe, a young and inexperienced, probably a handful of games in the Premier League, and to throw him into that game. As much as it's still early in the season, it was a big game for St. Mum. Well, I think it was a six-pointer, yeah, one of those ones. And, think, and looked at it for there. And that also takes us on to the, the situation with um, the, what you call him, the McAllister, when, when he got cautioned and then the, they're, looking at the, they're looking at the incident again. Uh, the, the compliance officer coming in and looking at it from that point uh, was it an act of violence or was it again 
uh, reckless and dangerous because he caught him in the in the face aspect of it. So that was a big game for, for Davy Munro. And hindsight's a great thing. They maybe look at it and thought, as much as Davy's maybe doing well in the games that he's getting, I think it maybe would have been sensible to put another more experienced referee in that situation at that particular time. Charlie, can I just ask you one more year about... I know uh, our referees uh, will yeah, well, come under a bit of stick, under a bit of scrutiny, you know, and but I don't think they're any really different from... I'm going to get back to the European game with Celtic and Rennes last week and the sending off for oh, uh, Bio yeah. at the end. Yeah. I mean, the referee was going to play yeah. on then for all of a sudden the guy's rolling about uh, holding his face. I think the yeah. guy, I think I the goalkeeper should be pulled up for that, you know, because... Yes. Edward get booked yeah. in the first half, uh, which I thought, okay, he's dived, he's got to get booked, you know, his simulation. But this mm-hmm. this goalkeeper's cheated as well because he ended up, you know, he's holding his face. The boy never even touched his face, never even near his face, never hardly touched him. Yeah. But he's got the boy sent off. So I think after that, you know, I think UEFA have got to look at this and say this is happening too often. And I think these players have got to be named and shamed and punished for it as well. Yeah, and beyond the negative side of things, and and that and that goalkeeper's not going to he's going to into his different game. Uh, but unfortunately, the the Celtic player will miss a game. He'll miss the next game yeah. because of uh, the red card. And and I'm, I, I agree with you, Jenny. I think the referee got conned there because of his his, his um, you could see his body language now. I thought Ryan Christie's was a penalty kick. Yes. And I thought James Forrest's wasn't a penalty kick. But two wrongs don't make a right on that concept. But then, as the game, as the game tempo rose, and effectively the last 15 minutes, I felt the Spanish referee just got caught up in the game. And steady. And that's where we talk about being calm and composed. It's like the... We, we, we use the scenario of the elegant swan. If you look at the swan for the water level up, it's nice and calm and composed. But underneath the water, its legs are gone like the clappers uh-huh. to keep it moving. That's sometimes like the referee. You've got to try and remain that bit of composure so that when you, these decisions have been made, you're in the right position to call it correctly. And maybe even just saying to the goalkeeper, hey, I've got a hard enough job here. I don't need you trying to pull the will over it's funny, my eyes. It's funny that, Char- How you say that in French? I don't know. It's funny, that, Charlie, because that's a radio thing as well. You go into any radio station, and that's a stock phrase that a lot of programme controllers come out with. You've got to be calm on the surface, but peddling away underneath. I am, I am. Yeah, That's a good referee as well. A good referee, you never show your emotions. You never get caught up. Yeah. And, and, and you, you, yeah. When I worked with a sports psychologist... Administering a caution or a red card, yeah. he told me to go through the same scenario all the mm. time. Don't rush it. See, because it's a blatant, obvious red card, yeah. don't rush it. Five seconds to issue a yellow card, five seconds to issue a red card, mm. and that sends the message that you're calm and composed. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, people and people obviously, you know, that that lose it. They're not only a danger to themselves, but possibly a danger to the referee as well. Yeah, that's right as well. And and. You you think and you say to yourself now, if that had happened earlier in the game, and and Jerry, you might back me up with this. Mm. If that had happened earlier in the game, then that goalkeeper would might have caused for concern with the aggrievance of the Celtics players 
And then when a corner ball comes in, etc., etc., there's there's other antics that, that might cause you yeah, yeah, more of a problem. Right, so so um so Charlie, um we've got Betfred Cup ties coming up tomorrow. Uh, again, more pressure games. Um, you know, are, are you aware of the refs that are taking charge yeah. of those? Yeah, um, bro, Molly Collins out. Um, Sorry, mate. I put you on the spot a bit there. Let me let me tell you the games. Actually, let me tell you the games because right. it's uh, it's league cup ties. Uh, although these days uh, you don't go L for league, you go B for Betfred Cup. Just give me a second. Betfred Cup. That's, that's right. right. I'm here. Uh-huh. You, want me? you want them here? Uh, okay. Celtic Park Celtic Park Thistle is refereed by. John Beaton. Right. Hart of Midlothian versus I Aberdeen. Hart of Midlothian Aberdeen. Is that Kevin Clancy? Uh, you've, already t- you've already told us, Commander Hibs. Who did you say there again, Charlie? Wally Collum. Wally Collum. You've got Livingston and Rangers. Livingston and Rangers is Stephen McLean. Right. All right. Yeah. Well remembered. Well remembered. So they're, they're four experienced guys. And what you'll find is... The final will come from one of the four. Right. All right. Nine All times right. out of ten, the final usually comes from the quarter final referees. Um, the, t- the, the semi-finals will be two different referees who are not involved, mm. and the final will probably come from. Um, so, is Kevin Clancy refereed a League Cup final? You might find that he'll be in with a, a, a shout right. for it. I, I think John Beaton's maybe refereed it, so th- th- that might be the. The concept there. So again, experienced referees to to take care of of uh, big games. Yeah. Because if you think about it, Partick Thistle uh, Celtic, uh, massive game for Partick Thistle in the light of what's happened in the in the last couple of yeah. days. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Celtic will, will be wanting to keep the pressure on with regards to there. Livingston Rangers, difficult place. To, to, to go on the AstroTurf as we've been talking about um, but again uh, a difficult game to referee so sure. an experience guy to enter and uh, what's next for you Charlie what's coming up this week for you that you can tell us about <laughs> this week for me unfortunately uh, nothing much um, I'm still in cloud nine after Auckland Light Town. I was just going to mention that, Charlie. You've no brought it up. You're uh, it, it looked pretty easy there. in the end, Charlie. It looked pretty easy at Kelty in the end. Oh, oh uh, that's one thing about Tucker. Uh, the players know exactly what they're doing, mm. and it's a well-disciplined, uh, and we've got the, the ability to, to attack yeah. quickly and score some goals. Yes, um, on paper, we thought it was going to be a difficult tie, but yeah. sometimes sometimes players just don't turn up, Jerry, as you yeah, know. Yeah, that was a problem for Barry, that. you know. Uh, but yeah. looking like they had a great support through as well. Brilliant, yeah. Brilliant and, support. And it must have been, sorry, Charlie, I was just going to say, and the Broken Biscuit Company must have uh, been tempted to put them on the telly again because they're at home to... Uh, to Cove Rangers now in the second round, but they've gone Cove for uh, they've gone for Bonnie Rigro's Athletic versus Bucky. Well, the, the the Friday night slot is is the television slot, and unfortunately, our uh, Auckland Lecker and we're in the process of getting floodlights, so we haven't got floodlights at the moment. All oh, right, okay. So we wouldn't have been allowed to to, to we wouldn't have been allowed to get that. Yeah. But I'll tell you a wee true story. I'll tell you a wee true story here. Um, 
I refereed in Embry Derby, funnily enough, we were talking, and Paul Hartley was with Harps, and um, Scott Brown was with Hibs, and they had clashed, and they got up, and I was wanting to have a conversation with the two of them. And Hartley, and he turns around and he said to me, and he says, Aye, and what team do you support, big man? And I says, Auchinleck to Albert Paul, do you know them? And lo and behold, Auchinleck have drawn Cove Rangers, <laughs> and Paul's the manager. So you'll get to see what Auchinleck are like in, uh, first-hand in the, in the 19th of well, October. Well, I was brought up about two miles from Kelty, so I should have been supporting Kelty on Friday. But, um, <laughs> but the reason I want to see Auchinleck Talbot continue is because last season we had a great laugh here with uh, all the London-based supporters trying to say, uh, London-based reporters rather, not London-based supporters, <laughs> London-based reporters trying to say, Auchin like Talbot. I think the best one was the, uh, the I think it's Claire Tomlinson on, on Sky Sports News that managed to say, Auchin like Talbot. Orkin like Talbot, <laughs> and uh, and there was all sorts of weird and wonderful pronunciations. I was uh, I was having a great laugh here. Uh, there was at least four or five occasions that um, you know they went for it, uh, the London-based news readers, and they were just not, no, no, not even anywhere I see, near it. I see they do a lot of research into your football. Eh? Well, yeah, I mean, but it's it's just I, I can I can understand you know for non-Scottish eyes it must like, whoa what's that? Now there's a ch there. A lot of people don't know that the ch is the you know the och in Lex sound. Ockinleck, Ockinleck was a was a but the the, the Orkinleck Talbot was and, and Talbot was too was for for some reason this this uh, London based sports reporter Talbot Talbot was was two words but anyway listen uh, you know um, I know it's a difficult one for for for, for non Scots but uh, I want to see them go all the way because that will really get Sky Sports worried oh no they've they've gone through another round we're going to have to say it again <laughs> <laughs> well the first time the first time they played Hearts. Uh, back in 2010, <coughs> 2010 and that, um, we were we were for eight minutes away for a replay, and that was going to be live in Sky Sports. Yeah, that's right. At Rugby Park. Yeah. Uh, if it had been the replay that time, so it'd have been interesting mm. to to hear the. Well, well, I think I think to be fair to Ian Crocker, who sometimes pops up on Rock Sport Radio, Ian Crocker's been doing Scottish football for so many years now yeah, that, that he yeah, he would uh-huh. nail it. He would definitely not get it wrong, and I can I can say that for a fact. But it was just the reporters. It was just you know the the, yeah. the, the guys and the girls at the desk who were just kind of seeing it for the first time, and it was uh-huh. like ooh, you know, it's like ooh. And I'm sure when the Scottish Cup first and second round come up, there's a lot of. Uh, you know, London-based uh, reporters are, are, are going, whoa, you know, I think I'd rather have the Europa League than this, you know? <laughs> uh, but anyway, so you're, you'll be uh, pinning your colours to the mass for Auchinleck? I'm afraid so, yes. Right. All, the, all the years that... Uh, that uh, I, th- I think that's sometimes why UEFA used to send me to, to <laughs> wonderful places and, and I could be able to communicate with the locals because, <laughs> because of the language. Well, especially in places like Germany, Germany, Austria, Russia. I mean, they're, they're uh, you know, the way they say things is not that different, different from the way we say things. That's it. Uh, but, uh, you know, some, sometimes those, uh, those guttural Scottish sounds come in, uh, come in handy. But, uh, but anyway, stuff. great stuff. Jerry, we th- um, Charlie, we thank you again for uh, joining us tonight on Talking Football. Bill will return tomorrow. Um, he's getting the private jet refuelled, um, as you know. <laughs> Um, so um, once he's got that done, he will be back tomorrow, and he'll speak to you next Tuesday. Excellent. Thanks Good to very speak much, to you, Charlie. Gentlemen. Thanks for your contribution, yeah, Charlie. Cheers, Take care, gentlemen. Take care. Cheers. There's uh, our regular Tuesday contributor, former referee Charlie Richmond, on uh, 
Well, he is the man in black. He is the main man in black. He's the man in black, yeah. He might have, the game he was talking about, uh, Paul Atwood and Scott Brown. Aye. We might have been there at the time because Scott had just had come into the team, no less it was we left, but, you know, there used to be a few ding-dongs on the park. Well, I remember that 05, 06, 07 period because I was kind of doing commentaries for a kind of, uh, for a kind of overseas thing. Yeah. And um, Scottish games for basically ex- expats overseas. And I can remember there was a few good Hearts Hibs derbies when uh, Romanoff was in charge of Hearts. No, we were. But, but, but Hearts were a Hearts were a real kind of. They, they were, you know, they were like a bunch of gun gunslingers that had kind of yeah. come into town and just you know, you I know, round up the posse. You know, I think they had a different team every week. Yeah. 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 Five or six players side yeah. Friday night. And there was a, there was a kind of and, and because and because Romanoff was so trigger happy, if you'll pardon the pun, every time somebody got in the team, they thought I better play good, and they were. Probably trying far too hard. Yeah, but I, but I, I think my favourite one, my favourite Edinburgh derby from that period, I think it was 06, Hibs 2, Hearts 1, I think Benjilan, the Moroccan, got the winning goal. Yeah. Abdus Salam Benjilan. Yeah. And uh, even Ouskis was the Hearts manager, and that was a real, uh, that was a real kind of great performance. And I think Scott Brown got the first goal, actually. Mayor. Uh, for Hibs that day. Yeah. That's when he had the, that's when he was trying to have a Mohican haircut like Beckham. Oh, uh, I remember that. Well, I think we just left because we were there 2003. <laughs> Scotty just had come into the team with Kevin Thompson and Whitaker and guys yeah, like that. Yeah. And I remember we went to Tencastle and we were 4-2 up. Yeah. And they brought the wee boy Colin Weir on That's in, right. in injury time and he scored two. Wow. Uh, deflated life <laughs> it was because we'd have, we'd have had to put us in third, mm. get the monkey off our back, so to speak. Yeah. You know, I had beaten Hearts for the first time. And mm. um, we'll get into the winter break, which, which would have been a great period for us. Yeah. But, ah. Is, it, is that a goldfish bowl like... The old firm, I mean, okay, it's maybe a smaller oh, yeah, goal, goldfish bowl. Is Hecking Bottom beginning to realise now what it is, oh, what it yeah. means to be oh, the Hibs manager? The derby means so much to the fans through there. Yeah. Um, it's and just on a smaller scale, obviously, from the Celtic Rangers. But the fans through there are so passionate about it, and you can see the atmosphere they create, and yeah. it's a bragging rights. Uh, yeah. You know, I've sat between, I've sat amongst the both fans and obviously been involved with Hibs, but sure. it meant we, I think we get beat with first derby 5-1 and the fans were actually waiting us outside Easter <laughs> Road when we come back from Tynecastle. Right. And everybody was getting it, but, you know, it means so much. But when you win it, it's great. If you don't win it, then it's under the bed with the cabbage cookies. You know. My late father became a kind of Hibs fan in the end because he used to go to all sorts of uh, football matches. I mean, he, he wasn't really a football fan and then I kind of got him into it yeah, when I was yeah. a kid and then he ended up being a bigger football fan than me. He was travelling up and down the country and he always used to like to go to Easter Road because he liked the atmosphere. He actually liked the, you know, the vibe of Easter Road. He used to say there's something about it. There's just something about uh, it, the Hibs, you know. And Saturday, you know, I met a few old uh, players when I was there. I was 18 when I signed there and you've John Blackley's there, you're John Brownlee's who I met. Yeah, Sunday great guy, joined. John Blackley. Used to Tony work. Higgins, Harley yeah. McLeod, who was a marvellous player, great yeah. player, Harley. Yeah. Uh, Jim MacArthur, all these guys were there when I was there. Yeah. Uh, but I was only, I was a young one and they were on the first team. Yeah. And to train with these guys every day was brilliant. Mm. Alec Edwards, who, what a yeah. midfield player he was. I always, like, I always like the story about Jim MacArthur. Uh, Jim MacArthur didn't start off as a goalkeeper. He started off as kind of like a midfield player at Cowdenbeath. Right. Uh, yeah, and they stuck him in goals. And um, they needed a goalkeeper, so they stuck him in goals. And uh, one of the first nights he was training as a goalkeeper, somebody hit a shot so hard he broke his hand. Uh, you know, as a 16-year-old, MacArthur right, broke his hand, right. and it was the shot was so hard in training. It was probably one of those cannonballs that they used to play with that he actually broke his hand. But that didn't put him off. 
Well, he was a goalkeeper, uh, really. Him and Mike McDonald, another guy they signed. Big Mike uh, Roy Baines was there as well, wasn't he? Roy Baines was... I don't think Roy was there. No, Roy no. wasn't there when we were there. But, yeah. uh, as I says, he had some marvellous players. He, uh, the late Eric Shadler. Uh, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Guys, guys like that. Uh, and, of course, Pat Bobby Stanton. Smith, Bobby Smith and I went. Pat, Pat was there, yeah. and I used to try and run up the front when we're doing the warm-up to just to keep up with try yeah. and keep up with Pat you know just watch him training he, yeah. what a professional well he, he he's just had his 75th birthday and I believe he's going to be uh, the guest of the honour at the next Celtic Hibs game because uh, he, he? he played, played for both, played well, for both. he actually left my time there he left he, uh, we were playing Hearts at Tencastle in the reserves he was just coming back from injury Sure. and I think it was Jim MacArthur says, well, says where's Pat tonight <laughs> he goes he's away through the parkhead and I'm saying yeah Okay, again, mate, is he way through what Celtic? And he goes, no, he's just saying he's Celtic, you know. Yeah. But what a sign he was for Celtic as well. Yeah, I mean, and late in his career as well. I mean, yeah. uh, it was always a surprise, I think, when, when Pat Stanton actually finished his career with all respect to Hibs at a bigger team. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's 75 now, and they're really, st- they're really celebrating uh, Pat Stanton's uh, 75th year this year, and he's going to be um, he's going to be the guest of honour. He had a big night uh, the other night for his 75th birthday, and guys like Fish from Marillion, who's a massive High Bees fan, was there. And That's right, yeah. Gordon Strachan was there, of course, because he was at Hibs for a wee while. Well, if and, you... Uh, if you're saying part 75, so he must have been 30 when I was when he went to Celtic, 30-year-old. Yeah. yeah, that's right, mid-70s, mid-70s. Yeah. 70, um, I think you're saying yeah, 75, 76. There's a lot of people now, well, well maybe there, there is a couple of generations now that won't know what a right half is. Yeah, <laughs> but Pat was a great sweeper. I, I yeah. felt he was a making of a big Roddy McDonald. When was a, Roddy McDonald was a big raw centre-half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he and was brought into kind of steady. Yeah, when um, Paddy played behind him, it was just saying, go and you win the ball, and over yeah. the top I'll get it. And what an influence mm. he was in uh, big Roddy, because Roddy went on to have a great yeah. career at Celtic. Silky, silky player. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, great player. A uh, couple of minutes from seven o'clock, we're going to take a break very shortly, and then we'll come back with the uh, the final hour of uh, Talking Football. It's Alec in for uh, Bill tonight. Uh, Jerry McCabe in for Jerry Collins. We're both off the bench tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill will be back tomorrow with Ali Graham, the former Wraith Rovers and Air United player. And uh, obviously talking football continues uh, right through until Friday here on Rock Sport Radio. Uh, remember, if you want to get involved, um, we do we do put out a number if people want to call in. It's 033 or 033-9442. Most of the stuff these days, though, comes in on, on Twitter. And um, I know there's a few people looking forward to uh, hearing from uh, Chris Powell, who's our uh, Lowland League guest at uh, Half Past Seven, Lowland League podcast. Uh, that's what Chris Powell's involved in. The Lowland League, uh, it's really starting to become the unofficial like fifth division of mm-hmm. Scottish football, Jerry. Yeah. It really yeah. has, uh, it has grown in stature and, it, and it's so well respected now. Well, when you look at it, you know, it's a pathway into the... The SPFL, yeah. SPFL. Yeah. And great, you know, and a lot of money's getting into these clubs as well. You know, my friends are involved at East Kilbride and mm. I know they've financially backed them and, you know, that's their ambitions to get into the SPFL. Okay, right. Next, uh, we're going to talk Hibs again because we've got because we've got Gavin Wilson on from the Hibs Talk podcast. That's coming next. Stay tuned. Imagine raw power, supreme skill, hand-to-hand combat and national pride. Imagine putting your body on the line for the greatest prize in world rugby. The Rugby World Cup 2019. Rock Sport Radio will bring you comprehensive coverage of this titanic battle between the world's top teams. Who will reign supreme? Will it be Northern or Southern Hemisphere? 
Rock Sport Radio's Lewis Stewart will be in Japan to give you the latest team news and reports from all of Scotland's games. The Rugby World Cup on Rock Sport Radio, brought to you by Motorpoint Glasgow. Convert your rugby skills into two free tickets to the six nations in Rome. Visit Motorpoint Glasgow today and take part in their conversion challenge. Just two minutes from Junction 3 of the M74. Do you hear that? That's your family coming round to your new house for Sunday lunch. Your son opening the door of his first home. Visitors arriving at your guest house. Friends coming over to watch the football. Scottish Building Society offer a range of mortgages, so we can turn this into this. Scottish Building Society. We've been helping people open doors since 1848. Call us today on 0345 600 4085. Scottish Building Society is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. They've had your money long enough. Now's the time to act. If a bank like Lloyd's or the Halifax persuaded you to your savings and you lost out, don't miss this opportunity to get your money back. Text GOOD to 6677 and Goodwin Barrett could help you recover monies you thought had gone for good. Don't miss out. Text GOOD to 6677 now. You don't need a claims management company to make a complaint and if unsuccessful you can refer it free to the financial ombudsman. It's easy to put things off. I'll sort it tomorrow. It'll wait. Well, turns out if you're a man with prostate disease, the sooner you spot it, the better it can often be treated. So if your dad or brother have had prostate cancer or you're having trouble with your waterworks, do something about it. See your GP or visit prostatescotland.org.uk for more information. Prostate Scotland. Pull your finger out. Love music. Live sport. Talking football with Jerry McCabe and Alec Horsborough. In for Bill Young on Rock Sport Radio. H-I-B-E-R-N. Ian Hibernian. Let's say hello to uh, Gavin Wilson from the Hibs Talk podcast. Uh, we're going to speak to Gavin very shortly and get his, and get his views on the Derby defeat. And, um, you know, are the fans turning against the manager? We'll speak to Gavin Wilson from the Hibs Talk podcast very shortly. We're just getting him on right now here on Rocksport Radio. We've already kind of discussed it, Jerry, but, um, you know, the high bees hecking bottom really starting to realise what Hibs are all about now. Yep. Yeah, and I was at the last few games. I was up in Kilmarnock, and the fans were sort of a very boisterous. Yeah. Uh, I was at Mullow, and they were, I think they were more dismayed at what's happening for their team. You know, I actually tipped Hibs to finish in the top three this season. Uh, I felt, you know, the players, they had the players, they had a squad of players. He was yeah. trying, he was bringing a few players in. I think they missed the boy Boyle. I sure. think Martin Boyle has been a big, big player for him. I know he's brought in the boy Middleton, but right now. Looking at Hibs, they're very, well, in the middle of the park, they've got Marlin, a couple of decent players there, but they just yeah. don't seem to be making as much, a big impact in the games. Okay. And especially when they go behind, you can see right. they're very fragile right let's, now. Let's get Gavin Wilson on from the Hibs Top podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us, Gavin. Uh, first of all, your reaction to the Derby defeat? Um, well, <laughs> no, no, the best. Um, but if I'm honest, I kind of expected it. Um, even though I was a bit worried that we were taping over the cracks and stuff, um, but it didn't make it any less painful when the Hickey's goal went in. And Hicking Bottom, uh, you're at his presser today. Um, what was that like? Yeah. 
Hi, uh, I've been going to some for about six, seven months now, um, and it was a strange one. I mean, I remember we played uh, Kamarnock on a, a Wednesday night towards the end of last season, and there was about, you know, three folk for the press and uh, three folk for the, the broadcast. And then you go on today, and there was about 15, 16 people there. <laughs> it was a lot busier. Um, I, I think, I think I don't know whether that's people smelling blood or what, but uh, it was uh, <laughs> definitely a busy day. Just before we bring Jerry in, Heckingbottom's an interesting character for me because he's, uh, you know, he's a proud Yorkshireman and he's got that kind of, uh, you know, he's got that kind of very kind of bluff way of speaking, and um, yeah. he, um, I think he knows now what what the high bees are all about. But I think he felt, he, I think he was quite hurt on Sunday. I think he was felt he was really let down by the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, uh, there's been a bit of talk about that. Um, you know, I think Marlon came out after the game and said kind of that with the, the letting the manager down and. Um, but it, it just seems to be a reoccurring thing. There's been, you know, said after the Rangers game, individual errors, and the, um, and then after the Motherwell game and the Kilmarnock game, and then that game, and it just seems to be a reoccurring thing. And it's sort of like, well, surely eventually that looks, that's going to be asked of what's the manager doing if they're constantly making individual errors? Is he picking the right right players, or is he giving the wrong instructions, or asking them to do things they're not capable of doing? Um, I don't know. Gavin, how are you doing? It's Jeremy Cape here. Hi, Jerry. How you doing? How you doing, Gavin? I've been about. I've been. Uh, I've saw her about three times at the last five or six games. I was at Motherwell. I was up at Kilmarnock, and obviously I was here on Sunday. And I felt, uh-huh. you know, they, they start the games okay. I thought they started the game against the uh, Kilmarnock well. Uh, not a lot happening in the game, but you know they, they were given as good as they got. And I don't think. Uh, I think the the problem they got is when they do go behind. The same at the Motherwell game. Then. They've got a bit of a problem there, and that's how I felt on Sunday when they took the lead. Uh, I was always, I said it was either going to take a wonder goal or a bad mistake for this game to kickstart. And you know, Stevie Mallins, what a strike! And I felt the Hibs were going to go in from there because, and obviously, the first goal it was going to be vital because the two teams have been quite fragile and the confidence is low and it was all about the managers on uh, Sunday, unfortunately, rather than the players. And I felt the players were. A wee bit, you know, it wasn't the usual uh, derby, derby game between Hibs and Hearts. I've been involved in them, as probably you know, when I was there with Bobby Williamson. Mm-hmm. And I've saw a lot of the, the derby games. And it's usually in each other's faces and in about it. But I didn't see that on Saturday, uh, Sunday. I felt it was the game was waiting for somebody to do something, something to happen, rather than going and making something happen. And obviously it was just a very disappointing uh, end result for Hibs. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned about going behind it, but it seems to be taking the lead as well. Um, then the St. Martin game, we didn't look very confident. The St. Johnson game, we uh, a goal up, and then we, we kind of tried to sit on it at home and ended up conceding in yeah, the, uh, yeah, the last the minute. Well. And, then, uh, and then the Hearts game, we go in front, and then we changed it and tried to sit on it. And, you know, one of the issues has been, you know, Malin's not been working in the middle, and... I don't know if Halberg wasn't able to finish the 90 because he's, you know, lacking match fitness or if he picked up a knock, but Malin back to the middle just sort of seemed to be one of the reasons that we kind of opened up more space for him to come and have more attacks. Yeah, because I thought Malin, you know, he's been playing on the right-hand side and the boy is at Halberg. Halberg, yeah. uh, yeah, I thought he'd done all right at Kilmarnock. I quite liked him. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I still, for me, they miss the boy Boyle, they miss Martin Boyle. Uh, I feel he gives you something that gets you up the park and goes in very direct when he gets into the wide areas. And 
I mean, we had him at Dundee, but he's he's improved as a player at Hibs. Uh, you know, he's got more of an end product now. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but I felt they didn't really penetrate Hearts. They didn't get in, cause them those problems. And, you know, and that's how I think they're very low in confidence right now. Uh, and then, yeah, obviously, like you said about Mr. Boyle, uh, you, 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 before I came on, I had you talking, you were saying about the Broughton Middleton as a replacement, and Middleton, you know, I think he, I think was looking at some of the stats and stuff, I think he had six dribbles and all six were successful, but then he only had, like, one successful cross. So it, like that, He doesn't have that end product that yeah. Boyle's developed. Yeah. Um, Middleton's, you know, he's a great young player and he's direct and he's obviously uh, good on the ball, but that end product is lacking and... Um, it seems to be the same with Horgan. The Horgan, you know, gets himself in great positions, and then the crosses are really lacking. And uh, even Scott Allen isn't really producing those killer passes at the moment. Yeah, I watch Scotty. Uh, I feel he's a game changer when he's on his game, but he needs those the runs. There was a one ball he put through to Camberry for about another yard on it. Camberry was in. You know, he, he's that's his. He's got that in his locker, you know, the wee reverse pass. But he needs runners. Yeah. He needs runners for the uh, guys that are going to spark that pass. And I, I, sometimes I look at Camberry and I say, this guy's a handful. I watched him last season. Then he dipped big time. And I, I don't know if he's an out-and-out striker, Gavin, you know, I think because he always wants to come deep. He's a link man. You know, he'll, he'll link up and he'll, leap, he'll bring people into the game. But then he's got to dart about 20, 25 yards to get into the box. He's not your typical, you know, poacher in the box that's going to score, you know, about 20, 25 goals. And maybe that's what Hibs uh, are lacking. I know they brought the boy Dodge in, but he's, he seems to, he doesn't start games. And I, I think maybe it have, uh, with Hibs at home, would they play the two strikers up, give them more, uh, you know, scoring options? I, I just feel there's something I mean, lacking right now with them. I, I mean, Camberry's better six months was when he had McLaren up beside him and you know yeah. the, the, the kind of nickname for McLaren was the fox in the box because he was always in that box so if uh, and he was you know playing that portrait role so if Camberry did come to the ball because he likes to be involved and stuff then um, it was fine because we had somebody in the box yeah you had somebody in the box yeah. it, it worked really well and, and I think just now especially the fact he's not getting any service that if you're playing out of yourself, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to be wanting in the game, so then you're going to start coming, coming deep, deep yeah. more often. And and we're not creating anything at the moment, so I can understand why he's kind of coming deep and looking for it so often. Yeah, but you're right. Then it takes your focal point away because if he is your main striker. Yeah. And again, you know, mm-hmm. if you've got two options up front, I think it would suit uh, Scotty better as well. You know, he, he's Definitely. one of yeah. these guys he's you know as I say he can go and win you the game and I think he's getting a bit frustrated as well I think it was at Kilmarnock I saw him and he was actually running all over the place and I think he was just trying to get himself in the game and then his passing was coming a wee bit wayward he was giving the ball away and he was getting a bit annoyed with himself but that, that's all down to because he wants to do well he's back there at Hibs and you know I, I think he's a, he's a quality player he's a big talent but he does need he does need players who are going to make those runs for him because if they make those runs, nine times out of ten he'll find the pass. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly, uh, the next hurdle for Hibernian in uh, the Betfred Cup. If Heckingbottom doesn't get it right tomorrow, is there going to be an unbudged situation? Is uh, is the Hibs board going to have to issue a statement? I don't know. Um, I don't think they will. I think the you look at the next few games. We've got Kilmarnock and then uh, Celtic at home just straight after it, and then Aberdeen the week after that. And then there's an international break. Um, I think one way or another, he's here to the Aberdeen game, and I think 
Um, you know, obviously they're tough games, so I think they'll need to be something to look at as well as the results. But yeah, um, I think the, the club have got a decision to make when it comes to that international break. Uh, he always strikes me as a fairly honest guy. I mean, do, do the Hibs fans feel that, or, or do, they, do they feel he was like the boy from nowhere and he maybe shouldn't have been there in the first place? I think he's uh, too honest, and that's his downfall at times. Um, because, I mean, I think if you said, you know, uh, a, a draw against St Johnston in the grand scheme of things over the season isn't going to be a bad result, but when it's just happened and he's already got fans annoyed at him for taking off Scott Allen, which, again... Scotland's not always going to play 90 minutes. Um, when those things happen, he comes out and kind of is quite, you know, honest enough. Sort of like, well, Scotland's not going to play 90 minutes. And, oh, well, we've got a draw against St. Johnson isn't the worst result. That's not what people want to hear when emotions are still raw. And I think things like that have led to fans getting really impatient with them and really frustrated with them. If there's any, a plus side I would say, look at Gavin was uh, Ryan Porteous coming back. I saw him at Kamara, I think that was his first game back in a while, and I thought he'd done very well. I know the first goal, he got caught with the diagonal ball a wee bit, yeah. but I thought he was very boisterous, and, you know, and maybe his adrenaline got him through the game. But then I watched him on Sunday, and I felt maybe the pace he just caught him. I think he needs games, but I, I think he could be a top player. I think, you know, I like the way he goes about, he's aggressive. Where I think it was last season when I was watching him, he was always trying to steal things in front. He was always giving free kicks because he was he was just so keen on trying to get the ball. But now you see, I see him standing his ground, and I thought he'd done well against Igpies. I thought he was up one of his challenges, you know, who's a very difficult opponent to play against. But I think this guy will get better, this uh, the boy Ryan Portis. Uh, but I think he needs to but maybe can start to judge him after another half a dozen games where he's back to full fitness because sure. he was out for a while there eh? yeah yeah I was, uh, the mother will game in January he went out uh, injured and I uh, thought so it was you know it's been a good few months and um, I mean I was a bit worried about him coming back because I think you know obviously uh, Effie left at the first of January and I really thought they had a good partnership and uh, you've seen Effie kind of talking him through games and things yeah. like that so I was I was about him coming back and not having that beside him. No disrespect to Paul. I mean, Paul's a great leader and I'm sure he's doing the same, but I was, I really noticed the, the partnership, especially between the two of them. But no, I mean, I, I mean, there's probably, um, he's probably at fault for two of the goals in the last two games, but other than that, he's, he's been yeah, really good and it's great to have him back. Yeah, yeah, as it says, it's, and you need these type of players uh, because, uh, especially in derbies and things like that. But what I liked about me, you know, for a young lad, you know, very voiceless, you know, and he'll he'll go and make decisions, and he'll go into other players as well, more experienced players. So I think it's good for the Hibs fans to get him back. Whatever happens with Heckenbottom, you know, it was always going to be one of those ones when he first came in. He was going to give Hibs a lift, you know, after Lenny left, and he did. He he came in and done well. But I think now he's really sort of uh, beginning to realise what kind of a club Hibs are, you know. Yeah, um, I think he's. Probably made a mistake in letting go um, Marvin Milligan and not signing a replacement. I think that's one of the biggest criticisms from fans. And, you know, it's quite uh, difficult to watch Hearts having a player like Glenn Whelan doing that exact job yeah. so well against us on Sunday. Um, but I, uh, it's, it's, I think when, when it comes to that international break, you look after it, we've got um, Hamilton County, Livingston, St. Martin, St. Johnson, and Motherwell. You know, all of them finished or face that they're doing a bit better this season, but all of them were either in the championship or finished in the bottom six last season. So I think it'll come down to, to the board say, right, there's games where he can turn this round, or is that a good start for a, a new manager? So uh, the next three games are crucial for them.
Yeah, I hope they stick by him, you know, because sometimes they're too hasty in making decisions. I know the fans could have a big say in this if they start to give the board a bit of stick, then some of the board say, well, look, we, we have to be looking to be doing something, but maybe they stick, stick by him. You know, I mean, Ann Budge, I know she stuck by Craig Levine. It's only a result, and it's three points, but it was a massive three points for them. So I, I think maybe they'll give him a bit of time. I'm always interested in the dynamics of a football support. Um, can you give us a kind of insight, Gavin, into the Hibs support. I'm talking about, yeah, you know, I mean, a lot, a lot of people in Edinburgh, a lot of people in Scottish football see, you know, kind of Hearts as uh, slightly more well-heeled and Hibs as more kind of grassroots. I mean, is that too simplistic? Um, probably a lot of it, but I mean, I, I do see where you're coming from with that, but yeah, um, I just, uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Hello, are you there, Hello? Gavin? Oh, sorry, Gavin, I just I, yeah. thought, I thought you had been uh, overtaken by a grandfather clock for a minute, yeah? Um, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Hibs, I mean, is, is the Hibs support, I mean, I know they come from all over the place, they come from all over central Scotland, but but, but are Hibs yeah. still very much rooted in that kind of Leith, kind of working class uh, background? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of pride of, you know, uh, Leith and, and what it represents, and obviously a lot of the things tied in with the, with the script. Uh, the Crest of Year, which is the model for Leith and stuff, and um, you know, very proud of Leith heritage and stuff. And uh, I, I personally, I, I was uh, more Christophan that I grew up, um, so I was always a bit jealous of folk that they do have that those links to Leith. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's very, definitely something that's very much embroidered with the support, and um, yeah, um, very much. Like, like you say, there's, there's supporters all over the place now, and uh, there's a a group up in the northeast of Scotland that have got a supporters club and stuff and they, they, they do really good work up there and stuff and uh, we're all kind of spread about now but yeah, and even then you still hear people like that, they've got their Aberdeen accent speaking about how great Leith is and stuff, so yeah. yeah. You're almost a jambo, Gavin. Christophan, woo, very close to being a jambo, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> nah, my, my dad was in Leith, so uh, yeah. aye, that, there was no chance of that happening. <laughs> good, good stuff, and of course, um, I mean, we were talking about, I mean, obviously way before your time, but we were talking about Pat Stanton just before uh, you came on. Uh, I mean, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you look back at old videos and stuff and, and you think, wow, what a player. Yeah, I, I heard you talking about the um, event, the, the evening with Pat Stanton. I was at that. I was lucky enough to be to be at that um, a few weeks ago, and it was a brilliant night. Uh, really, uh, Pat came out with some great lines. It was really funny, and but yeah, there's you know, people coming up and speaking about so well about him, and my dad obviously spoke so well about him in the past, and one of my dad's favourite ever players. And uh, in the weeks weeks leading up, we had Mickey Weir and yeah. um, and Paul Kane on the podium. They both took the opportunity to kind of talk about him, and they obviously he they both got their debut under him. I uh, uh, just they couldn't speak highly enough of him. They just got so much respect for him, and understandably, he's just an absolute gentleman. Something I found out again. I won't I won't get too much into history, uh, Gavin. But um, I was talking to someone the other night about Hibs being the first Scottish team, first British team, in fact, in uh, the European Cup, first British team in Europe. Um, the season yeah. that uh, Hibs represented Scotland and, and got to the semi-finals. Uh, represented the UK as well when they when they got to the semi-finals in the in the first season of the European Cup. Uh, Chelsea should have been there as well because they were the English champions, but Chelsea declined. They thought this new European football lark would never catch on. <laughs> but uh, even even me with my master stato degree, um, I was unaware until somebody told me the other night that it was actually Aberdeen were the champions. 
in, I think, 54-55 or 55-56, and they should have been representing Scotland. And somehow there was a Hibs guy on the Scottish League or, or the SFA board that managed to shoehorn Hibs in um, at the expense <laughs> of Aberdeen. There you go, I did not know that. There you go. Yeah, I didn't know that either until the other night. Aberdeen should have been representing Scotland because they were the Scottish champions. Yeah. But for some reason, uh, well, well, the Hibs they, influence. They missed, they missed their opportunity and, and we're definitely going to hold on to that title. But if one, we're quite proud of the first British team in Europe and we're not letting go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, European football, can it ever come back to Hibs? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I think this is a blip at the moment and... Whether you know Heckenbottom turns it round or whether um, somebody else comes in, I mean, I'm not worried about Hibs this season. I think I heard uh, Irvin Welsh talking about uh, like relegation favourites. I wouldn't go anywhere near that, but sure. you know, it might not be. I, I, I mean, uh, this is something a lot of Hibs fans won't want to hear that it might end up being an, another transition season and stuff. But mm. I'm very optimistic for the future. We've got a lot of good young laddies coming through. We've got good foundations getting put in place. Uh, with the new owner and stuff and nah, I'm, I'm very confident that you know in the next few years we'll see ourselves back in Europe Well Arsene Wenger Jose Mourinho Gennaro Gattuso they're just three managers that are looking for a job just now um, <laughs> so uh, but I, I guess Hibs uh, you know I mean I don't want to I don't want to put Hickingbottom on his way but um, I think it would be a more grassroots uh, you know maybe not uh, maybe not Yogi again but you know somebody like that yeah, I, I've heard a lot of Hibs fans say that. I was asking that in the podcast last night to, to folk that were on, just sort of saying, like, there seems to be that thing of this. a lot of people have been saying, oh, he, he doesn't understand Scottish football, he doesn't understand what Hibs are and stuff. And I think maybe off the back of that, there's going to be an expectation that the next manager needs to understand Scottish football and uh, potentially Hibs as well. But yeah, you're kind of limited with that at the moment, whether you're looking at maybe Ian Murray or something but I, I don't think Trans would take him at the moment I don't think he's done enough in his career yeah, although, although there's a person that sits in this chair um, usually uh, Bill Young who says who would, who would probably say something like well you know in Scotland we sometimes think we're special you know there's only two types of football and that's good football and bad football it doesn't really matter you know, yeah. where, 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 where you come from um, but the pressure is on him there's no doubt about it yeah, I, um, pressure's definitely on. But I mean, at the end of the day, look, I, I think that he's here for the next three games, regardless of what happens. So I think we've kind of got to accept that, um, get behind them, get behind the team. And then if things haven't turned around by the Aberdeen game, then we can maybe sort of really start to voice our concerns again um, and see if the board acts in the international break. Gavin, I know it looks a wee bit dim and gloom just now. You know, I can see that with the Hibs fans after end on end Sunday. But all it takes is a couple of results to change things and the picture changes and. You know the fans become optimistic again. You know this is this this is a football. That's the way it gets you. But you know how quickly it can change. It's like they always say the fans are very fickle. You know one week they're chanting your name, the next week they're they want you out. But you need results. It's results that obviously keeps managers in their job, and it's a, a result-driven business. But. I think Hibs have got enough. You know, I don't think they've got anything to worry in the relegation yeah. battle. You no, know, no, as I say, I've tipped them to be in the top three, and I, you know, I, hopefully I'm right at the end of the season. Uh, I've got a wee bet on my bill here and that. But the thing is, you know, it's it's like everything else. You know, if you're you know, one or two bad results, and I know Hibs haven't started the season well, then mm-hmm. everybody becomes you know in a bit of a downer and very critical towards their team and the manager and the players and that but again 
you know, one or two results, <coughs> uh, he could be flying again. Yeah. He could be start to climb the league again. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I think he can. Uh, oh, no worries. Sorry, yeah. no, ca- carry on, mate. No, uh, don't let me stop you. I was just going to say, um, at, at the press conference today, I think he kind of hinted at a couple of changes to the team because there was, you know, three games in six days and um, kind of potentially making a few changes. And I think a lot of people have been saying about his signings being on the bench. So I think we should see a few of them tomorrow night. And yeah. you never know. I mean, we could get into the semi final of the. the uh, League Cup tomorrow and a few new signings could play really well and then all of a sudden things are looking a lot brighter for Celtic and take it for there OK uh, we thank you for your contribution tonight Gavin uh, all the best uh, with the podcast I know uh, football podcasts are the thing now I'm more the football fanzine generation absolute game when Saturday comes <laughs> all that stuff but, uh, um, no that's no. I, I even predate that I'm afraid um, you know I was uh, I was a kind of uh, I was at the forefront of the uh, the fanzines of the, the, the mid to late 80s I, well I certainly did my bit that's yeah. for sure but uh, I know with the technology now um, there's there's um, there's much more um, scope for, for fans to, uh, to to have their say and I always find the podcasts uh very interesting. I mean, what what we used to do in the pub, uh, you guys do behind a microphone now, and you just kind of you know tell it like it is. That's always very interesting. So we'll, we'll wish you all the best with it, Gavin. Yeah, I, and I mean that's one of the reasons we we kind of done the phone in last night and stuff to give as many opportunities kind of have their voice and stuff. So kind of going on and on. So um, just sort of like you guys do have us on and stuff. So appreciate you having me on. It's uh, been really great. Okay, Gavin, all the best to you. Yeah. We'll speak again. Get to speak to you, Gavin. Speaks again. Thanks again. Cheers, Thanks. guys. Thanks Cheers. A lot. Cheers, Gavin. Gavin Wilson from the Hibs Talk podcast. And as, as Jerry said a couple of times tonight, he has a, a certain a, a finny, affinity with um, Hibernian, but they'll be back. I mean, you know, of course Hibs and Hearts are just big, too big, big club. Too. They've got the new owners in and things yeah. like that. But so see, they've got too much players, too many good players there yeah. in the city. I know it looks gloom, doom and gloom right yeah. now, as I say to Gavin. But, you know, things can change so quickly in football. Uh, but... This is they know they need the results, but yeah. they've got marvellous support, it's a marvellous club, yeah. uh, so they'll be fine. Uh, let's get some breaking football news. Wembley will host the 2023 Champions League final. Wembley will host the 2023 Champions League final with St Petersburg and Munich staging the 2021 and 2022 finals respectively. Very good. Barcelona are getting into the final, but there, that's... Well, Wembley ha- has hosted the Champions League final a lot in recent years. It's, you know, four or five times in the last, you know, over about like a 15-year yeah, well, period. The last one, was it the last one not uh, Barcelona-Man United? I think it was. Barcelona gave them a doing. That's right. So, uh, so there you are. Um, sadly, um, will we ever see a Champions League final at hand again? I don't, I don't know about that. Well, I don't know. I, to be fair, I think it needs upgraded. I think it needs to be... A stadium is going to be a better atmosphere. Mm. I think you're too far away from the pitch behind the goals. Mm. But, yeah, why not? The great win, the win, Real Madrid beat, I think it was by Leverkusen. Yeah, win, that's right. That's Zidane's right. goal. That's right. Um, I think we should mention as well, it's Kieran Tierney's debut for Arsenal tonight. Oh, very good. Good, um, good to see him. Uh, although he's still saying on various interviews that Celtic's still in his veins. He's going to have to get rid of that because he's all about Arsenal now. Yeah, he's all about Arsenal. Oh, he's Celtic through and through, isn't he? But, you know, you go to these clubs like Charlie Nicholas. When Charlie left, to go to Arsenal as well. He's you know, Charlie, big Celtic fan as well. Look, he's... Uh, a top club, I must admit, I thought if we had another season with Celtic, I thought he'd have went to maybe a bigger club. Yeah. Uh, Ian McCall, now at Partick Thistle. Yeah, officially, yeah. Ian's back home, he's uh, saying homecoming there. Eh? Mm. Uh, he's, call it, he's done great, done great with United. Mm. We were speaking about him last night with yeah. Shug and Bill. 
uh, I, I think it was too good a job to turn down. You know, that's where his heart was. And yeah. he's got Archie in as well with him. Yeah. Alan Archie. Well, I always felt Archie would still want to be a number one somewhere, but mm. obviously to get his foot back in the door and back in at Partick Th- Thistle Club, he's well, actually done a great job there. Who's next for you, United? Who's next for you? Well, who knows? Uh, who will they go for there? Who's who's the candidates? Well, here's well. There's a couple of guys uh, that we connect with on Twitter who uh, who flagged up. This is a long shot, but the reason I mention it is because he's been a guest on Rock Sport Radio um, a couple of times over the last wee while. But uh, mentioned in dispatches, um, Andy Morrison at Connors Key, uh, Scotsman, uh, despite the accent. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Connorsky Nomads have beaten about half a dozen Scottish teams in the yeah. last 18 months. Yeah, well, uh, they beat Edinburgh City, Falkirk, Queen's Park to get to that Challenge Cup final, Kilmarnock, to get to that Cove, they final. Cove there as well. they beat, Yeah, they beat Cove, they beat Kilmarnock. You never know. Ali, Ali Graham, ex-Air United player. Big Ali, maybe, please. I know, I know Ali doesn't there. want it. Ali's having too much fun just now. He is, just, that he's, he's, is that Oh, I nah, think Big Ali yeah. could do you know, Ali, Ali's happy Ali. going to watch. He lo- he's a bit like me. He loves his lower league stuff. He loves going yeah, to watch I know, Ali know, Rovers and people like Obviously, playing the channel match with Ali. Great, enthusiastic, big guy. I think I think Morrison would be a decent shout because... You know he has got a. You know that's quite a phenomenal record. This is a. This is yeah. strictly a non-league team. I mean, we know they're in the the Welsh league, but but we would term them as a non-league team. Yeah. And and he's he got a team of. Uh, you know he got a team of kind of journeyman professionals, and, and he won at Falkirk. Then they beat Queens Park at Hand, and then they beat Edinburgh City. He last time he was on here as well, he had some. He had some interesting uh, views on how Scotland could maybe improve. He was saying we, we need to stop the pass, pass, pass and start ch- throwing it in, long throws. He's very much f- for the long throw because he thinks that every time a long throw goes into the box, the team have to defend it. Yeah, well, it's, it's a good yeah. way we have if you get somebody can, that's got the long throw. But, hey, like, as whatever players you've got, you play to their strengths. Uh, there's yeah. nothing wrong with putting a ball up the line in behind people. Yeah, that's what I the box. So uh, we'll see what happens. Anybody else comes to mind Any United job? You know, I, uh, somebody mentioned Martin Cannon last night. I know yeah. Martin would be trying to get back into the game. It's yeah. be a good job for somebody. Uh, Bill even mentioned, he said, would you be interested in yourself? Well, there'd be an ex-Kilmarnock, yeah, you know, would, it, would that get down well? But then again, there'd been ex-Kilmarnock. Mark Roberts was Kilmarnock player and Mark okay. uh, went to United as a manager, player yeah. and a manager. Okay. Uh, I th- I'm sure there'll be a few candidates in for the in for the job anyway. Okay, we're going to take a break and then we'll come back with our final guest this evening. It's Chris Pow from the Lowland League podcast. Stay tuned. Have you picked up the Feel the Heat brochure from your local plum base? Get one today and take advantage of great offers, including Polypipe's Polymax 100-piece fittings bucket at £99.99. That's a 15% saving on purchasing individual pieces, and it's exclusive to plum base. The Polypipe Polymax 100-piece fittings bucket is just part of the Polypipe range available in the plum base Feel the Heat brochure. Shop online now at plumbase.co.uk or grab one from your local branch. If you were persuaded by Lloyd's or the Halifax or any other bank to move your savings into a Stocks and Shares ISA or Unit Trust, which then ended up losing money, it's time to contact Goodwin Barrett. Text GOOD to 6677. Goodwin Barrett have already helped thousands of customers recover millions of pounds. Text GOOD to 6677 now. You don't need a claims management company to make a complaint, and if unsuccessful, you can refer it free to the financial ombudsman. 
At Motorpoint, we put the super into car supermarket. We're here to save the day with a choice of over 7,000 low-mileage, nearly new cars. Find your next car in a flash with our lightning-fast service and same-day drive-away. Plus, with Motorpoint's price pledge, if you find the same car for less, we'll match the price and give you a £50 Amazon voucher. Visit Motorpoint Glasgow today, just two minutes from Junction 3 of the M74. T's and C's apply. See website for details. The list of things you need to do gets longer at this time of year, whether that's for the house or in your business. So take one thing off your list right now. Your septic tank could need emptied. Let Grant Henderson Tankers empty your septic tank in the home or work, farm, factory or workshop at very competitive rates. We are septic tank specialists, experienced, safe and dedicated to environmental safety with our own licensed disposal site. Find out more at wemovesh.it or call 01698 284 987. Grant Henderson Tankers, let the experts manage your waste. Love music, live sport. Talking football with Jerry McCabe and Alec Horsborough. In for Bill Young on Rock Sport Radio. And of course, I'll get the usual pelters tomorrow when Bill comes back. Ah, you were sitting in the big boys' chair last night. You were sitting in the big boys' chair last night. You were on, you were on the top show last night. Oh, so, yeah. Is that what he gives oh, it? I, he gives it? Uh, without fail. Always the next day. Um, absolute pelters. But I'm used to it now. I just tell him. It's just uh, the, the comments I was getting, you know, the tweets that were coming in, you know, are very supportive. Well, he, he'll, 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 he, would, he would say something like, oh, you, you've, you've got more friends than I realised you had. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Bill will be back tomorrow and uh, he'll have Ali Graham with him tomorrow on uh, Talking Football 6 until 8. Always good discussions uh, Monday, Friday here on Rock Sport Radio between 6 and 8. I know we've got, I do know we've got a couple of new listeners tonight. Uh, a couple of people have contact me, contacted me on Twitter about other things and uh, they are actually watching the show tonight and I think they are going to be uh, converts to uh, Rock Sport Radio. So, uh, you know, I like to think I've done my wee bit. But anyway, uh, let's move on to our Lowland League podcaster, Chris Pow. The Lowland League uh, really beginning to... Uh, Take hold now. Uh, the unofficial fifth, I always call it the unofficial fifth division of Scottish football. Uh, Chris, what would you say? Yeah, I would definitely go with that. Uh, it's uh, fantastic to be involved. The league's just getting stronger and stronger. Uh, obviously, like Sir Kelly, and recently uh, teams like Bonnie Rigg from the East coming in, former juniors, and that. It's just it's a fantastic league. And of course, um, there is a kind of there is a romance around the Lowland League because it's all these wee teams that a lot of people haven't heard of, and uh, some of the grounds are unusual. And of course, the big thing that the Lowland League and, and George Fraser rightly promote is the fact that it's affordable football. Everything's under a tenner, apart from uh, Berwick Rangers, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Uh, most most of them uh, you'll get in for maybe uh, seven eight pounds uh, at the highest. Obviously, Berwick are a wee bit different, just coming down from League Two. Uh, obviously that was their choice it was a wee bit of a un- unpopular decision but it's cheaper than what the fans were paying uh, last year obviously so yeah absolutely and um, the Lowland League of course we, we have to mention as well that we are the official media partners of the Lowland League here on Rock Sport Radio and, and George Fraser is, is certainly a, you know, a, a friend of the station but maybe the Lowland League and, and the standard took a wee bit of a knock um, I had a 2-2 for Kelty versus Auchinleck, but, but in the end, I thought Auchinleck won fairly easily. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I was at the game. Uh, obviously, 
I think most people know that I'm, I'm at Kelty most weeks. Uh, I do a wee bit of media work for them, but yeah, uh, yeah, definitely a wee bit. Uh, a wee bit, not really what I was expecting. I thought Kelty would probably go in on paper as favourites, but uh, Auchinleck obviously are you know one of the best teams non-league wise. Uh, Tommy Sloan is just a fantastic manager. Uh, players like Mark Shanklin, obviously, you know I've, I've been at that level before, uh, and obviously had that great run in the Scottish Cup. Uh, yeah, they were just, you know, just. Uh, I don't think Kelty turned up in fairness. It's not a team that we're kind of used to seeing week in, week out in the Lowland League. But yeah. full credit, I had to go to Auckland. Like they, they just absolutely smashed them. Really good on the press and and uh, you know took you know completely clinical with their chances. How, how did you feel that the uh, the Lowland League teams did in the first round? I mean, did you manage to get most through? Uh, it was a bit of a mixed bag, actually, Alex. To be honest with you, there was some really decent results, but uh, some some results I would surprise me. I would say, uh, especially against uh, some of the, like the Highland teams and maybe you know uh, the East of Scotland teams as well. And the second round draw has it been favourable to Lowland League teams? I think, and uh, I wouldn't say so. I mean, I don't think with, with cup football it's always hard to tell. Obviously, we've we've had a few surprises in the uh, in the first round, obviously. But I think the one, well, as you guys know, obviously, uh, Bonnie Rig Rose and Bucky Fissel will be the one to look out for. You know, top of the Highland League versus sort of top of the uh, Lowland League, if you will. So uh, that's definitely the sort of tie of the round. Other than that, I mean, you all Lowland League uh, test, East Kilbride versus Gretna. So. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Sterling Uni uh, uh, hosting Linlithgow Rose should be interesting. Uh, Linlithgow Rose being, yeah. you know, one of the sort of top East of Scotland sides, Alex. Yeah. What, what's your view on it, Jerry? I mean, do you get a chance to see much Lowland League football, Jerry? Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Uh, uh, yeah, I've, Sorry, I've, Jerry, yep. I've saw a few games at East Kilbride. I watched East Kilbride a few times yeah, last sure. year. You know, and the good thing is it's a pathway now, and it you know to the characters here to try and get into the SPFL. For these teams, but you know, it is a lot of interesting cup ties. I see Albion Rovers are going to play the team at the moment, Fort William, who couldn't win a game, have won the last two or three games, eh? So I think the, it's like it's what, what they're doing now, and these clubs and the junior clubs are spending quite a bit of money, yeah, yeah, because they know uh, what's uh, the rewards at the end of this, you know, if they can, you know, push to get into the SPFL, yeah. Uh, still in Albion, you know, my big mate's uh, the manager at Still in Albion, uh, Kevin Rukovic, and he's had a tough time right now. You know, so it's been a wee bit welcome break, you know, getting into, uh, I think it's Traspe, I don't know much about them. Yeah. Maybe you'll know a bit about them, uh, Chris. But the looks, uh, it's a match of the cup again. Uh, I know I was talking about the Oaken Light game last week against Kelty. Mm. I actually watched most of the game, and I thought, you know, Barry been there and been able to attract some decent players there. I thought they'd have gave them. You know, Moria again, but Auchinleck experienced campaigners in this competition as well as in the junior league. We, ha- we have to ask you as well, Chris, um, you know, I mean, you're obviously biased towards the Lowland League, but, um, you know, what is better now, Lowland League or Highland League? I mean, I, I, I do the Highland League results every Saturday and there's always a lot of goals in the Highland League, but, um, you know, who's better, who's best just now? It's a tough one. Obviously, Cove Rangers were a fantastic outfit. They're doing so well in League Two. Uh, as I mentioned, obviously I was a wee bit surprised with some of the results, uh, Highland versus Lowland League in the Scottish Cup. It's it's always difficult to compare leagues. I'm not a big fan of even the West Juniors comparing it with the Lowland League because there's good teams in both leagues. Yeah. There's teams that are a wee bit struggling in both leagues. Uh, you do often see uh, in all leagues, you know, uh, sort of wayward results, if you will, week in, week out. 
And what about standout players? I mean, is there anyone in the Lowland League that um, you know maybe our uh, SPFL listeners would know about? Oh, uh, certainly. The first name that comes to mind is obviously Nathan Austin at Kelty Hearts. You know, scored uh, uh, twenty goals in in ten games uh, so far. So I mean, he's he's obviously came down uh, from Inverness Cali to, to go part time and come to Kelty, uh, a bit of a local team for him. But yeah, he's he's obviously one of the standouts in the league. Chris, you could look at uh, Cove Rangers where they they come up last season, and I know they've got a wee bit of a budget. You, you could say, but you know, like McPaul up there, an experienced manager, and he's recruited well. I mean, he, to to get the boy Fifey to come and play with Cove Rangers, uh, yeah, you know, I think this guy's he's well capable of playing in the higher leagues, and he's proved that when he's played there. But you know, for them to attract that type of player. You know, they must be doing something right. And they've got ambitions. You know, their aims is obviously to go. I think it looks as if they're going to be favourites to win that league. You know, and who knows where they could end up. And, uh, you know, I think that's a great incentive. You know, it's a great lead, you know, for the Cove Rangers getting in there and and the SPFL. And right now, looking probably the best team in that league. Yeah, I would agree with that, absolutely. Uh, One thing... That a lot of people obviously mention, you know, like money and and whatnot. But from a player's point of view, I've I've managed to speak to a lot of the guys uh, and many of the teams, and you know they want to win. They want to look back in their career and win things, and that's why uh, you see some of the guys dropping down to like Sakelte and maybe East Stirlingshire because they have the chance to, to go on and and maybe win a few trophies. Yeah. Uh, you know, that they maybe haven't at the senior level. Yeah, my my friends are involved at East Kilbride, and you know I know they back them to the hill and. They were a bit uh, disappointed last year, but they felt they were just a bit short when they lost out in the playoffs. You know, and they'll be trying to make a big push. Uh, they've got a good wee stadium up there, and there's another stadium getting built in East Kilbride. So, you know, obviously their ambitions and their aims is to try and get into the SPFL, and I don't think it'll be through lack of effort. But you're right, a lot of these players, you know, they want to be winning something, and they're going to these, uh, stepping back, you know, getting a wee step back in their careers, I, mean, I say their careers, you know, you get down the leagues a bit, but, you know, sometimes you've got to take that wee step back to go forward again, you know, probably that's what's in their thoughts. Absolutely, Jerry. I was actually at K-Park on Saturday when they, they played Berwick in the only Lowland League game. Uh, East Coast Ride, you know, I don't think that's changed. Uh, it is a lot harder now, as you guys obviously know, if you follow the league, uh, yeah. Uh, the competition is just absolutely uh, immense, really. Uh, it could be, you know, one of five teams right up there at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. And they're a great now, you know, obviously, way back when a few years ago when they were a top side, and when I say a top side, they actually played, you know, they won promotion a couple of seasons in a row. A lot of great, good players, James Grady and all these guys played, but I know they're a different team now. But they're still sort of uh, got a bit of their own identity down there. I don't know what kind of team they are like. I don't know many teams you've watched this season. But there's another one, Berwick Rangers, who fell a wee bit away from Grace. So they, they struggled for a few seasons. Maybe, again, they feel they need to kickstart their, you know, their club again to try and get back into the SPFL. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, Berwick, I, I was impressed by them. Saturday, I think they've they brought in a few players there that are, are quite proven, especially at this level. Uh, they've got pretty much a new squad, and uh, I think, like everyone else, it, it takes time to gel, but uh, they could have easily got a result against East Kilbride. I think uh, well, East Kilbride won 3-2, yeah. and uh, Berwick had a, a few chances there, so it just shows you that 
it's uh, it's who turns up on the day, kind of like the, the Scottish Cup games, I would say. Uh, I want to ask you as well, Chris, about East Stirlingshire, because they were the first team to go from SPFL to Lowland League. They were the first Team 42 to, to drop out of the SPFL and they were replaced by Edinburgh City. Um, I knew Broxburn would run them close on Saturday, but I didn't think Broxburn would win. Um, tell us a wee bit about Broxburn Athletic. I mean, are, are they east of Scotland? Have they got pretensions to get into the Lowland League? Broxburn were uh, well east of Scotland last season was in the three sort of conferences. Broxburn were uh, the winner of one of them. Uh, I wouldn't say a bit of a shock, but certainly a, a top team in east of Scotland. Um, well, obviously, like say, the, you would expect the likes of uh, Bonnie Rigg or Pennycook to, to go on and win. Mm. Uh, in terms of the game, you're, you're right, Alex. I thought Shire would probably get get through that one. But, you're, you're, you know, they went down quite early uh, to, to goals from Xander Miller and obviously got one right at the end of the game. Uh, you're always going to struggle if you're going down, you know, two two goals after, yeah. you know, 20 minutes. or. Mm. Has, uh, has that put a spoke in the wheels? Caught. Sorry, mate, carry on. No, I was just saying uh, just exactly what you were going to say, Alec, that it's just... Uh, you know, cup football, <laughs> it's who turns up on the day and, and Xander Miller's probably in the, the hat for being the, the player of the round there, eh? So. Is, is that put a spoke in the wheel of the, the Shire revival? Because, uh, like Berwick, they dropped and then they kept on dropping and then suddenly they got their act together, they moved into the Falkirk Stadium, ground-sharing with Falkirk, bit of money spent, a couple of good sponsorship deals, and um, and they seem to be on the rise again and they seem to be about to challenge the likes of Kelty and... BSC Glasgow etc and and then suddenly you know this is a this is a bit of a well you know it's more than a banana skin I would think I mean it, it would be disappointing obviously to we've seen a lot of teams go out to, in the Scottish Cup and obviously that can be a wee bit of the, the money maker for the club yeah. so yeah. It, it's certainly disappointing but they can focus on the league now uh, I'm, I'm assuming that that'll be the you know where they want to be up at the top so uh, it's disappointing in terms of obviously the Scottish Cup, but uh, it's a sim- similar with Kelly. It might be a bit of a blessing in disguise for sure. uh, for the league. And um, the, the Lowland League. I mean, um, of course we'll have the we'll have the uh, the playoff at the end of the season. Lowland League versus Highland League. I mean, it's too early to call it. But who, who do you see up there at the at the end of the season? Uh, to be honest, I'm going to sound biased here, but I, I would probably assume Kelly, uh, possibly East Kilbride. They've had. Uh, lost a few guys uh, at the back uh, from last season like Craig Howie that's went to Clyde uh, you know and uh, David Proctor with, with great experience so they've, they've got a couple of things to, to sort there uh, Malks obviously knows what to do there so uh, but they're, they're still a top team I think it'll be between East Colbride and Kelty for me I, I mean I'm a five. are you a Fifer? I am, yep. I'm from your neck of the woods, uh, Alex. Yeah, so. well, well, that's right. Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to turn it into into a fight fest because I always get accused of doing that as well. But um, <laughs> um, what I do want to say is, uh, I mean, I have a hunch that one of these days uh, Kelly are going to come up against, well, probably Cowdenbeef, maybe an East Fife, but uh, probably Cowdenbeef. And you're going to get a situation soon where the, you're either going to have Kelty replacing one of the established five teams in the SPFL or you're going to have a fifth five team and that team could well be Kelty. Yeah, I would I would certainly agree with that. Uh, Cowden Beef, I was a wee bit worried about them over the past sort of two seasons, but it uh, looks like they've really improved this season. I think they have a, a fairly decent team, uh, League Two uh, standard this season anyway. And you know, did did you always follow Kelty Hearts from from the days when they weren't so well known, or or, or are you a convert? I know a lot, a lot of Lowland League followers are guys that followed maybe. 
Scottish teams outside the Premiership and then got a wee bit kind of tired of it and, and they just wanted something new and different? Well, I, I did go to the juniors, uh, well, way back in the, the sort of Fife Leagues, uh, so it would probably be, well, Hill of Beef, uh, <laughs> Hawthorne one week and maybe Kelty the next, uh, you know, uh, back then. So um, one of the reasons I probably got interested in the Lone League, to tell you the truth, was because of Kelty Hearts, because they are local to me. Uh, so yeah, and obviously, but when I got involved in the actual Lowland League, uh, I was actually going to different grounds and seeing different clubs and stuff. But mm-hmm. Kelty, you know, they, I ended up pretty much at Kelty because they're the, the most local to me, if you will. And, and how is Kelty? How is the success of Kelty Hearts affected Kelty? Because I said the other day, and uh, I meant it with affection, that you know, when I was growing up, Kelty Hearts were a, were a junior football team. I don't think they were a really big junior football team. Um, but, you know, Kelty, um, you know, suffered through all the industrial changes in the 80s and then, um, you know, at one time it became a bit of a ghost town for a wee while as well or a ghost village. And I just feel that Kelty Hearts and what's happening at Kelty now is probably the best thing that could have happened to yeah. the place. Yeah, I would I would agree. They have a, a lot of good people uh, from the community that are, that are spending a lot of time, like every other football club basically, but, yeah, a really good surrounding at Kelty, they're... A lot of people, obviously, you know, they've seen the, the players they're bringing in, but they're also building for the future in terms of the, the facilities and the, the stuff there at uh, New Central Park as well. So it's it's not, not short-term success. They're thinking long-term as well about uh, maybe getting into league football. Yeah, Jerry, you were at Dunfermline, and we always talk about yeah. Ayrshire being a hotbed, Lanarkshire being a hotbed of yeah. football, Lanarkshire especially. But but what about Fife? How does that how does that fit in? Yeah, Fife, obviously, Dunfermline, Wraith Rovers. And I remember Kelty at the time... Uh, I played a guy at Hamilton Ackies, Colin Harris, and yeah. Colin became the manager there. And Ray manager. as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Colin. And, yeah, Dunfermline, uh, it was a big catchment area uh, through Kirkcaldy, the Fife area. And they've got an academy through there now, Chris, haven't they? You know, the is it the Fife Academy, where there's a lot of yeah, young players come through. I don't know if you know. Uh, you know yeah, that's, Stephen that's right. Wright was in charge of it for a wee while. And Stephen left to go to Dundee. So they play, don't they? Is it just academies they play, or is it, you know, different areas like the Fife play, still an area, Glasgow? Uh, I, I don't know, but I, I know that they had a lot of players in there at one time, young boys, and put them into clubs. So I don't know if Kelties get, you know, they've got an affinity with uh, the, the Fife Academy, that they, they bring players from there, uh, and such as Dunfermline and uh, Wraith Rovers. But I think that at the time, that's what they were doing. They'd all these uh, the amount of players they had, and the better players would get into these clubs. So I don't know if that's still the case. Uh, I think uh, I think Fife Elite is what they call them. And is I that what it's, it's called? Just there? Right, okay. and, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's fight, um, I think it's just the, the the league clubs that put in. I think it's Dunfermline and Wraith, if I remember right. East Fife might be another one, but uh, certainly the you know the Kelly have got their development team as well. So. There's, there's certainly a lot of talent uh, around under-20s. We've seen a lot of, of boys move up from the county uh, under-20s last season into, into league football, uh, similar with, with other clubs in the Lowland League. Yeah, all right, yeah. So, uh, you know, you've got... Uh, what about the what about the other end of the Lowland League? I mean, Vale of Leithen suffering. We lost Selkirk, of course, last season from the league completely. Um you know, a lot of people talk about the Lowland League being affordable football, but is it two leagues? Are the teams at the bottom really, really struggling? I 
think we're seeing more of a divide this season because of the, the type of quality that the top teams have brought in. Uh, not going to lie about it, Alex, but uh, Vela leaving, uh, you know, Fort William are a wee bit on the rise. They've, they've got a, a fair bit of players from, from Inverness yeah, Cali, so it's, yeah. it's kind of changed, changed the, the dynamic for them. Vela leaving are struggling a wee bit. Uh, unfortunately, Chris Anderson was thinking of leaving after that result, and I'm glad he's, he's going to stick out for Vale because I don't think that would have been the answer uh, yeah. for him to leave because he's, he's a decent manager, he knows the club. Uh, if anyone can get them out of the situation they're in with, with no wins, I think it could be him. And, um, you know, Vale, vale of Leeson, I mean, I, I must admit I was surprised by the result at Fort William. Fort William of the Highland League, of course, but I was surprised that Fort William won 5-0. I thought it was going to be maybe 2-1 for Fort William. But... Um, you know, maybe in a lot of ways, and again, I don't mean this in a in a in an insulting way, but uh, you know, maybe Vale Leaden are on their way to becoming the new Fort William. Uh, I, I did worry a wee bit, obviously. You know, the situation with Whitehill last season, uh, Alex, and I, I did worry a wee bit about Vale Leaden being kind of similar. Uh, to, well, looking at the results at the start of the season, but they've got a lot of young, a uh, lot of young <clears> players there. I think they just need a. Uh, you know more more experience in that, and I know Ando did bring in a, a couple of players on loan. So uh, I think last season they struggled a wee bit with with squad numbers, and and uh, it's it's different a wee bit this season. I think it's just they're struggling a wee bit for uh, inexperienced players because sure. there's so many youngsters playing for them. Chris, and, sorry, uh, Chris, I've heard a wee bit about Caledonian Braves. Did they change their name? Uh, I think we spoke to someone on the show about maybe three or four weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, are they, a, are they a decent outfit? Are they ones who could be up there challenging this season? Yeah, Cal- Caledonian Braves. I've, I've seen them uh, well uh, once this season. They, they did, impre- uh, did impress me. They've got a, a few guys uh, in there that have you know know about this level sort of thing, and a few guys from higher up as well. They did change their name. They were previously Edisport. They. I think they're trying to get there, to be honest with you, Jerry. But it's they've, they've still got a wee bit of building to do right. uh, in terms of the likes of Kelty and East Kilbride and that. The strength it's not quite there, but it's certainly a decent outfit and certainly one to look out for in the future. Uh, the, the facility Alliance Park is brilliant. Ricky Waddle is a brilliant coach, and they pretty much have at this level the best everything in terms of training and and and, and everything else. Good, good. And, and and yes, as you say, they were, they were uh, Edu Sport. Um, I saw a couple of the players in uh, in Glasgow a couple of Saturday nights ago. They were making their way back from a game, obviously, and they, they were looking really professional, really uh, almost kind of Premiership quality with the uh, the uh, the tracksuits on and stuff. And uh, you know, they they looked yep. as if they could certainly uh, you know play the game. There's no doubt about it. Um, there there has been talk as well. I think Bill mentioned it once uh, on on a previous talking football that there was talk about a. An SPFL League Three that would provide a a, a buffer between uh, the Lowland League and uh, and the SPFL. Um, some people are saying that the drop from Lowland League uh, from from League Two to Lowland League is too much, and of course they don't get the forty thousand pound parachute payment yeah. now as well. Yeah. But I, I would yeah. I would be against that, Chris, because um, I think what we've got now is a very competitive pyramid, and we've needed that in Scotland for years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Alex. Um, the drop isn't that much, in my opinion. Uh, I think, if anything, uh, I know a lot of people agree, but League Two, there should be automatic relegation, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. We've got a fantastic East of Scotland League below us that are, you know, a few teams, you know, one promotion, yeah. uh, you know, kind of burst out to the Lowland League. And uh, yeah. we, we obviously saw in the Scottish Cup, there's a lot of good East of Scotland teams yeah. uh, that could probably do well 
like Bonnie Rig Rose and, and obviously Kelly. Uh, I, I wouldn't be a fan of, you know, uh, Scott SPFL3 or whatever they call it. I think yeah. the Lone League is, you know, it's, it's still quite young. I think a lot of people forget that. It's only mm. six years old. The league's fantastic. Uh, the way it's been presented uh, mm. and the players that it's been able to attract and the, the clubs mm. that are in it are, are all doing and, well for uh, what it is. And there's an obsession in Scotland, maybe Jerry will disagree with me here, but there's an obsession in Scotland with Colt teams. We've got Colt teams in the, in the Scottish Challenge Cup. And and they wanted to have this SPFL League Three, which would be a mixture of uh, you know cool. teams that are in the League Two yeah. team uh, League Two teams and and Colt teams. But every every time uh, I hear about Colt teams, uh, and and I mean this in a humorous way, you know I always hear that familiar Scottish football chant: "Get young boys on, get 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 the young boys on." <laughs> you know, it's just like it's almost like the last resort when their team's losing. You know, get the young boys yeah. on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and you know the the, the Colt teams, you know I. I Listen, young players have got to have somewhere to, to play and they've got to have decent opposition, but I don't think the SPFL is the place to do it, Jerry. No, no, you're right. Uh, it's, it's just a case of getting these boys playing, getting them, you know, game time. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I was putting them in there. And I've always said, but see the guy, 17-year-old, 18-year-old, and he's good enough. Should yeah. he be playing in cold football? Yeah. He should be playing and he should be... Yeah, old enough he should be, Yeah, he should be in the first team. He should be in the first team squad. And I feel that's the problem we've got. We hold too many kids back. Mm. We say, oh, he's only that age, he's only that The guys have played the World Cup yeah. at 17-year-old. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm, I'm a great believer. These guys are good enough. Get them in. And, and I feel as well, Chris, sometimes, you know, I, I think it's, a, it's just a theory I have, but I think it's very much a Scottish trait. Sometimes when we've got something that's working, we, we decide to tinker with it. It's almost like this is going too well. We we'll have to we we'll have to tinker with it. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> just leave the Lowland League alone. Ah, ah, ah. No, no, no touch now. You know because um, it's going it's going okay. The Lowland League. Absolutely, and and one thing uh, I actually well one, one thing I've no mentioned, Alex. I'm actually uh, I, I would like to see the other leagues uh, other leagues extended. You know, from maybe ten. You know, we've got 10, 12 teams where, you know, teams are playing each other three, four times a season. Yeah. And the Lowland League, it's only home and away. And I think that's far more interesting than, than travelling to a, to a ground, you know, two, three times a season. I think it's, yeah. it makes for uh, games pretty much must win. You have to win on the day uh, yeah. to, to beat that team over the over the season, if you will. Well, well, this 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 is another Scottish football obsession that's existed since the the, the mid nineteen seventies. I mean, it was it was non old firm teams that voted for uh, playing the old firm four times a season, and that's kind of spiralled down to to lower league football, and it's almost become the norm now in Scotland that you play your opposition twice at home and twice away. But as you say, that's not the case in the Lowland League. I'm I'm not sure nope. that the SPFL will ever go back to, to twice a season. I think, well, you know? We were always, I always thought, we had meetings this years ago, you know, with Neil Doncaster, and we always thought the league should be bigger, the Premiership should be bigger. Yep. You know, 16, yep. 18. And I said, if you do if team teams, you play each other, uh, you know, once at home, once away. Uh, yeah, that's what thirty-four games. Then you get your cup games yeah. and things like that. But, but the Scottish you're League, not, sorry. But you're not losing many games out of this. Yeah. And I always felt that no. if Celtic or Rangers were coming to town for the one game, you get your stadium mm. full because you'd all want to go and yeah. see. But now they're playing them four times. And it's on Sky and that. Yeah. And I always felt it'd be beneficial if I, the leagues were bigger. Yeah, I think it's built into the DNA of Scottish football now that you play each other. Twice at home and twice away, and I think that comes right from from right back in the mid seventies when when they came up with this idea to, to give Scottish yeah. clubs more money. They played the old. That's firm what's all done. Twice at home and twice, twice away. Financially viable. 
for you know, yeah. just have the, the, two, yeah. the two games. But the Lowland League is certainly cutting its cloth accordingly. It's becoming a good league. It's affordable football. It's well worth a look, and I always enjoy mentioning it here on Roxburgh Radio. Chris, we're almost out of time. We thank you for your contribution and uh, enjoy your next game at Kelty Hearts. Cheers, guys. Uh, thanks for having Chris, me. Chris, I know you said you're, you're pledging your allegiance to Kelty, but I'm just going to throw East Kilbride in the heart. I think I hope they're going to win it. Sorry, son. <laughs> Right, nice to speak to you, Chris. And I'll go for BSC Glasgow because I'm just a massive souk and uh, I got on fine with George Fraser. So there you go. Uh, so anyway, that's it. That's almost it for this evening. It's passed really quickly tonight. Two hours have just flown by. It's been more like a Formula One race than a football programme. So uh, we thank uh, everyone for their contribution tonight. Uh, Jerry, thanks for coming off the bench tonight. Two substitutes. Yeah, thank you, I, Alec. I had 12, you had 14 on your back tonight. So, it, was good, it was good to get a sensible conversation tonight. I, I well, OK, but, uh, but you know, normal service will be resumed. The natural order will be resumed tomorrow when Bill Young returns and his guest tomorrow will be Ali Graham. Thanks very much for your uh, company tonight. I'll be back on uh, drive time tomorrow. Between two and six, we thank Tom Russell for his uh, for his contribution today. Uh, remember, uh, Rock Sport Radio continues very shortly with Maureen McGonagall and special guests. Let's hear it for the girls, our dedicated women's sports programme. And then it's the Rock Zone. That's non-stop rock tracks, 9pm until six in the morning when George is back for breakfast. Join Bill Young and Ali Graham on tomorrow night's Talking Football from me and Jeremy Cabe. Have a good Tuesday night and I'll see you very soon. Love music, live sport, talking football with Jerry McCabe and Alec Horsburgh. In for Bill Young on Rock Sport Radio.